Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Tuesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter and joined for the first hour in today's show by our guy Brad Thompson. What's up, BT? Gentlemen, how we doing today? We're doing great. We're better now, BT, than we hear Golly. your sweet voice. I was Just about to say. dream. So BT's doing BT's doing the show from <laughs> I thought home. That was his suntan. And I thought for a second that <laughs> BT had the Be Patient shirt, but in long sleeve. But it's actually, it's a shirt underneath it. Yeah. It's a long sleeve yeah. shirt underneath it. I just it. thought it was his sunburnt skin from being down in Jupiter. You know what? Honestly, Jamie, cinnamon that's tan. a good call. Had this happened, uh, this Zoom happened about a week and a half ago, uh, you may have had that. But then I did my process that I call snaking. And I peeled, <laughs> I peeled it all off, and we are back to uh, alabaster pale. So here we are, ready for opening day. Speaking of opening day, we now know that Jordan Walker has made the opening day roster. BT, your thoughts? Yeah, this is awesome. This is it, it's awesome, and it's so exciting. And I'm sure I know you guys have been talking about it ever since the news broke uh, that he's going to get the opportunity to break with the club. He's changing numbers. He'll be starting in the outfield. There's a very good chance that we got a glimpse at the opening day lineup the other day uh, in spring training, and uh, looks like he could be batting uh, eighth, playing right field. I'm not sure how long the young man might be batting eighth. He could move up his lineup pretty quickly. But man, it's uh, I'm pumped up for him. I'm pumped up for the organization. I'm pumped up for the fan base because, look, this is a a kid, and we're not going to set the bar too high. Anthony, I know where you have him. Yeah. You've got ceiling is Aaron Judge, correct, and floor is Giancarlo Stanton. We talked about this a lot. No. Has it changed? Mike Stanton was the floor. (laughs) Got you. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Same name, just different guy. Right, and Mike got injured last early, right? Early career Mike Stanton. Are you trying hey, to wish? Early career Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> was it Mike or Giancarlo that got hit in the face by Mike Fires? I think that was Mike Stanton, right? That might have been, that might have been the end of Mike. Okay, yeah, and then all of a sudden, when he woke up, he was Giancarlo. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it happens like that. No, but I'm excited for everybody involved, and I'm pumped up for the young man. Again, he's 20 years old. He'll make his debut. It'll be the youngest debut of a Cardinal since 1999 of Rick Ankeel. And he earned it. He earned every bit of this. We knew that he was going to, or at least we heard, he was going to be given the opportunity coming into spring to play his way onto this team, to hit his way onto this team. And every freaking chance he got along the way, he hit his way onto the team. He played his way onto the team. So the physical gifts are there. He came in listed at six foot five. He grew a freaking inch in the offseason, apparently <laughs> six six now. Uh he's gained strength. He's got good recognition of the strike zone. He's got power to all fields. He's got speed. He's got a good arm in the outfield. By the way, he's transitioned to the outfield really well, but you knew there was going to be that pressure on him to make this team. And what did that pressure do to him? Nothing. 
it did nothing. His game was able to stay exactly where it was. The highs aren't too high. The lows aren't too low. And that is the most impressive part. And that's something that all he talked about, fellas, is his mentality out there. It's not just the skill set, but it's about what he's got upstairs. So, BT, you talked about uh, Jordan Walker hitting eighth. And yesterday, I just took, I think Anthony agreed with me. We took the stance of, like, I love it for him. Batting eighth, there's no pressure. I mean, there's pressure enough on the young man to perform well. I mean, every athlete that you know strives for more, there's pressure on you. But I, I think it's a great move by Ollie to put him in at the, at the eighth spot. And you know what? Let the big dog eat and let him figure some things out. I'm with you. And one of the worst things, and we've talked about this uh, throughout the last couple of years, there are times where you have to bring up a young prospect, a young hitter, because you're struggling as a team and you need to do something and they've earned that opportunity. But I don't think it's ideal when you bring somebody up in the middle of the season and your offense is struggling. And even if you're saying the right thing as a coaching staff and as an organization, it will feel like it's like, come save us. Jordan, come save us, or Nolan, come save us, whoever that guy is. And the Cardinals are not in a position like that. They have a position where they have depth. At the very least, you know of three, okay? You know of Arenado and Goldie and Contreras. These are three proven sticks at the big league level. I truly believe in what they have in their table setters of Donovan and Newt Bar. Is Newt going to have to show it for longer than two months? Of course he is, even though he's an, uh, he's an international sensation now. Uh, <laughs> Donovan, great first year. He's showing off more power in spring. Can he keep it up? We're going to find out, right? Uh, but... You have all of those guys, and then you got your guys coming back in, in the outfield. Uh, aside from Newt, you've got uh, DC, who is going to have a little bit of a hybrid role, it looks like. They're going to be mixing and matching in and out. You've got O'Neal coming back off of a good WBC. You don't have to thrust Jordan Walker right into uh, batting second and say, all right, well, here you go. Do I see him batting there at some point? I do. Like, I feel like he could be a monster right there. I could see Donovan Walker, Goldie Arnato Contreras, and holy crap, watch out because these guys are going to bang. But ease him into that. Let him go out there, enjoy opening day. And I know Ali talked about this, and he said, he said, look, I'm not going to. I haven't talked to him about opening day and all of the pressures and expectations. He knows it. He knows what it's, what it's going to be about. He said, I just know, I don't care if he goes 0 for 4, what does he do the next day? And that's the, the cool thing about Jordan Walker at 20 years old is that he's able to process things that way. Don't we all do this in life? Like we all say we want to be, uh, we, we, we want to be task or process oriented, right? And it's easy to say that. It's like, oh, if I get up and I do my prep work and I do this, I don't care. Like the show's just going to be the show. But then you do your prep work and the show sucks. And you're like, okay, not that it's ever happened to us, guys. No, but no, no, no. Yeah, Come different on, show. Yep. Other shows I've heard and assuming they put in the prep work and it sucks. <laughs> so maybe, maybe sometimes you change, right? And it's like, okay, well, uh, that didn't work. I'm going to try this instead. Process-oriented over result-driven is the way to go. And when you have the process right, the results will end up coming with it. But I think that he's already got that at a young age, at 20 years old. He can turn the page a lot quicker than I think some guys that have been in the big leagues. Now, we'll see. We'll see come Thursday when it is the big leagues. He is 20 years old. He's facing Alec Manoa. He's going against the Blue Jays. It's different in front of 50,000 people than it is wherever he's been along the way, right? He's been, the kid's been in the spotlight forever. There is no such thing as like these unsung prospects anymore. He's been playing in showcases, he's had scouts and he's had schools and he's had people in his ear, 
but it's different now. So I'm looking forward to watching him go at it. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of these young studs that are going to be out there come opening day. You, you've got Jordan Walker, who makes the club. Uh, Volpe from uh, the, the Yankees. He ends up making their team. Corbin Carroll is a stud. He signed a multi-year deal with the Diamondbacks. Like, there's so much young talent out there in the game of baseball, and I'm glad that we got a chance to see that sign, uh, see that shine a little bit. I was going to ask you guys, too. Do you think that a lot of these young players that are making the roster early on, do you think it has anything to do with the change in the CBA last year where teams actually will get a benefit? Like if Jordan Walker goes out there and he wins the, he could win the MVP or if he wins the rookie of the year or he's in top three of either of those, that the Cardinals do get another draft pick. Like there's incentives to have these guys on the roster. Do you think that that's helping across the landscape of baseball? I think it's, I, when it comes to the Cardinals, not not necessarily. I think Jordan what? Walker made the team because Jordan Walker has been, he's, he's a stud. He, you know, he made, uh, Brendan Donovan a year ago made the team because he proved his worth in spring training. And when when he got starting time, he, he took the ball and ran with it. I think for other teams, yeah, that's a consideration. Arizona isn't going to win much this year. Arizona having Carroll on their big league team, maybe it's maybe that is added incentive. If you're Oakland, maybe it's added incentive. If, if you're Colorado, same deal. But for the Cardinals, I think it's a cherry on top, but not not the reason to have Jordan Walker on the big league team. And not even like the first 10 yeah. reasons, honestly. Yeah, I, oh, I totally agree with that as well. I do think, though, it's a smart thing to have. Have that carrot there. Have that incentive. For far too long, teams have been reticent to let those guys start the year in the big leagues for fear of that extra year. And in fairness, the Cardinals haven't done that. No. Like, there's really not a guy that you could think of that's like, oh, he needs to be there, and they've, they've held him back. But I think it's a smart thing across baseball. And it's an exciting thing for Cardinal fans again with Jordan Walker. I was at the ballpark the last couple of days, and I ran into Randy Flores yesterday, uh, who is uh, assistant general manager, scouting director for the Cardinals. And I just told him, I go, dude, congratulations. You got, I mean, you look at that 2020 draft that he had, and certainly he's been around longer than than that. Uh, but you, you have Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Tink Hens, Alec Burleson. You got two of those guys that are going to be on this big league roster on opening day. Mason Wynn opening as many eyes as anybody. And you talk about a guy that has probably changed his timeline a lot. Because right now, if if I were just putting together a roster and not knowing anything about anybody, not caring about contracts, just putting together my best team, Mason Wynn's playing shortstop for me and Tommy Edmonds playing second base. Yeah. Like I, I really think that that's – I believe in what I saw in a young Mason Wynn, but it's just – it's such an exciting time. And I, I asked him, I go, are, are you surprised? He, he said, look, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm excited. And uh, it's he's more excited about, like, the people that are there, like the guys that – they have the skill sets. That's why you drafted to do it. But they also have the right attitudes and, uh, you know, all those things that we were talking about with Walker, that's that's win, too. We talked about this last week. Win knows, and he said, he's like, I know I'd be in the big leagues with some other teams, but this is where I'm at right now, and I'm very excited to be there, and I'm going to keep working. He would be. Like, he, he that guy would be in the big leagues. Tink Hentz will be in the big leagues soon enough. He's still super young. It's an exciting time to be a Cardinal fan, but it's not just about – 
the young pieces, you actually have a nucleus. That's how good teams are built. That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stoltzer. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 213. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So we had just asked BT his thoughts about Jordan Walker making the big league team. We had a lot of debate over the last week or so about who will make the team from from a bullpen standpoint. We'll get BT's thoughts on the pitching staff next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Salter. Brad Thompson joining us for the first hour of the show, talking nothing but cards as we get closer and closer to opening day. Don't forget that 101 ESPN will broadcast live at Ballpark Village for Cardinals opening day this Thursday. We'll be inside the Budweiser Brew House, inside Ballpark Village. You got the opening drive, BK Ferrario, us in the fast lane, again, broadcasting all of our shows Thursday, March 30th at Ballpark Village. Our opening day coverage is brought to you by Rawlings, Green Envy Lawn Care, and by Budweiser. BT, we had asked you about Jordan Walker making the team, but you and I had several conversations over the last couple of weeks about the bullpen and how we could see the bullpen shaping up. Now, we know that Genesis Cabrera did not make the opening day roster, we know that Drew Verhagen, Chris Stratton, Packy Naughton, Andre Palante, all the guys that we at least had discussions about, they all did make the roster. What do you think was the deciding factor in sending Hennessy's Cabrera to Memphis? Ooh, baby. Yeah, look, I, I think that for for him, it, it came down to who they believe they could maybe trust in, in those spots. And do they believe in what they're seeing? We talked about this a little bit. Uh, with, with Hennessy's, we know the inconsistencies that he had last year. We saw the velo being down for for him as well. Um, but Packy Naughton took advantage of his chance. Packy was there the entire time. He was with the team. He didn't go to the World Baseball Classic. And you look at the numbers in spring training; they don't look good for Packy. They got skewed on the last game after they said he did make the club. He ended up giving up like five runs and and really ended up hurting him. But we saw his velocity tick up a little bit we also saw more consistency with the slider we've been over his struggles and mightily against right-handers if he lands his slider more for strike one he's going to be in better shape and he did show that he could do that in spring if he's able to spot his fastball up even more which he did in spring train to the right-handers inside he's going to be okay but I think it did come down to they believed in the 11 games that they saw out of Naughton, more so 10, uh, that, <laughs> that, yeah, that he was going to give them a better opportunity. But I still think that that spot, and, and this is where it comes down to the 26-man roster at the beginning of the season and then how many players it takes to get all the way through the end of the season, I could see that being a spot that will fluctuate throughout the season. That's second lefty in the pen. As of right now, uh, you look at what Zach Thompson has done. He has solidified himself as a member of that uh, that bullpen and a really, really freaking good one. But you look at Packy Naughton. Packy still has an option left this year. He could move in and out a little bit this year if, in fact, you need them to. Because you look at the guys that can move in that bullpen – 
You're not moving mo- most of them. Ryan Helsley has options. Don't plan on using those. Giovanni Gallegos, believe he has an option. You signed him up for a three-year deal. You're not using those. Palante could happen. We'll see what he ends up doing against right-handers. But then after that, Zach Thompson's got options. You don't want to use those. The guys that you would think about moving in and out, Drew Verhagen, maybe Stratton at some point, they don't have options. Jordan Hicks doesn't have options either. So uh, I think that, that we'll see that bounce around a little bit in the pen. But uh, I'm happy for Packy to get the opportunity. I know they liked what they saw out of him at times last year. He's a gamer. He shows up. But he's going to have to continue to earn that job. So, BT, uh, look, I agree. You know, we talked about this even last year that Packy Naughton's a gamer. He shows up. Put him in any situation. doesn't care. Give me the ball mentality, which is great. Um, but, like, as far as, like, a ceiling or top end for talent, like, between him and Henesis Cabrera, it, is the ceiling not higher with Cabrera? And if so, like, how does Cabby get back to the majors? What does he have to do? I, I think that he needs to show that he can keep his velocity up and that he can throw his breaking ball for strikes whenever he wants it. Like, I think that one of the biggest things that they saw out of him last year when they sent him down, Velo was down, breaking ball spin wasn't good, right? Well, now we saw him in spring training again, and we're seeing Velo that's sitting there. It's 94, 95, 96, which is great, but it's not as good if you're seeing him 97, 98, 99 last year, last year when, he, when he was at his good spot. Um, and I, I also think maybe for Henesis right here, it is a little kick in his butt. And saying, hey, if you want to be here, prove it. Like, prove that you can be here and come back. Because with all due respect to Packy Naughton and all the great things that we said about him, you're absolutely right. The upside is way better there for Henesis Cabrera. And this could also be a trial here for Packy Naughton. He's going to get some chances early on. They might. I mean, if things don't go well for him, the organization could easily say, all right, you know what? We're going to take Packy off of the roster, not just the 26 man, but the 40 man. And maybe we put on Suarez or, you know, like pick another left hander. So the competition still continues. But I, I think that what they want to see from Henesis as he gets sent down and he starts the season in triple A. I feel like they want to see him pissed off and see what he does with that anger. Does he mope and get sad? Like, oh, I'm in AAA. I don't belong to be in AAA. I don't belong here, which we see guys do. Jamie, you know, throughout your career, there are guys that do that. They get sent down and they mope. And then what happens? They get their ass kicked and then they don't get called up. I think they want to see if he takes advantage of this, he's upset about it, and he goes and blows people away at AAA. If he does that, he'll be back quickly. Or if he, if he's not back quickly, he's got a chance to be a part of a deal that brings something else in. Because if you think about different things that you're looking at across baseball, a high-octane lefty might be one of those things. Jordan Hicks, BT, since we're talking about the bullpen, Jordan Hicks said last week that he still would love to start at some point. Didn't feel like he got the, the best of chances last year because he wasn't worked up and then – or built up, I should say, and then everything kind of just – it, it sped up on him. The game sped up on him a little bit. We saw, though, the other day that he also threw, what was it, 104? 103, 104? Yeah, he got three shades of pissed off. 105? Yeah, 104-6. What do you think Jordan Hicks' immediate and long-term future is? He's a bullpen guy. I, I, I understand what he wants to do. He doesn't throw enough strikes to be a starter until he proves that he can throw strikes consistently. And I, I, I do understand 
The idea that you can only prove something when you're given the opportunity to do something in the long run, they might placate him and let him come into spring training, especially right now, now with the signing of Miles Michaelis, having two starters under contract next year. They might allow him, if he has an injury-free season, he's good to go all year, to build up this offseason and come in as a starter. But I still see him being a high-leverage, potentially closer arm in the bullpen. I think that that's kind of what he is until he proves that he can just hone in on the strike zone, which is not easy to do at 100 to 104. But uh, all the power to him. There's nothing wrong with having him coming in and ready to start next year if he's healthy. It's a lot easier to go that way and have him built up and get him back to bullpen innings than it is the other way, realizing you might need him to come as, as a starter, and then all of a sudden you got to ramp him back up. BT, was it, what is it about Hicks that um, – like? I always have this question when I watch him pitch is guys time him up pretty good. Why does he not have a better whiff rate? Why is he not more of a strikeout pitcher with that kind of heat and with the stuff that he has that we talk about? I feel like guys get a lot of bats on the ball. Oh, you are. You are not lying. That, that, that is for sure. And we saw it a little bit more last year down the stretch when he came back off the IL. He was missing more bats and he was actually throwing more strikes. I mean, those are the things that you end up wanting to see if you're looking for a guy. Well, any any role at the big league level, but especially if you think he wants to transition into being a starter again. Uh, but the. The thing is, there's some guys that are just hard to pick up. Like, you hear about, like, the invisible. Like, you just can't even see it out of his hand, even though it's, like, 90 miles an hour, that deception that is there. There's something in his delivery that lacks that deception. Now, the thing is that that without the whiff rates there, and you're right, they're not there, one of the things that you also don't have is – a a high hard hit rate. He is incredibly hard to square up. So while you might get a piece of the ball, you don't get much of it. He's got some of the lowest exit velocities that are out there. Uh, But I think that that is part of the next level is getting more of the swing and miss. But here's the key to that, Jamie. And this is, this goes back to the whole crux of it. He needs to show that he's throwing strikes consistently because if you're ball one, ball two, as a hitter, what are you looking for? You're looking for a fastball up. Okay, and even though his ball moves like crazy, if you see the fastball up, you can put a little wood to it. If he gets strike one, then he can go to work a little bit more. I feel like that's going to be the biggest key for him in the future. But this year, I mean, the future starts on on Thursday for him. If he's got a goal that he wants to start, prove that you can consistently fill up the strike zone and then you're going to get more swing and miss because then you've got batters on their heels a little bit as opposed to them thinking, okay, well, here comes the heater. We got a question last week for BT about the pitch clock and whether or not pitchers could be coming out of games sooner because of that fatigue. We'll ask BT about that next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with 
Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. As Andrew March just told you in the Sports Center update, we got our guy Brad Thompson for the first hour of today's show. It's the Fast Lane on 101 at ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Salter. So, BT, we got this question last week. Will the pitch clock make pitchers come out of the game sooner due to fatigue, and how will this affect how deep starters go? I think it's an interesting question because we've already got pitchers in today's game, unless you're Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander, one of the, the true studs in the league, we already have pitchers that are not facing this the the lineup the same lineup second you know three three times around what do you call those guys anthony five and dives wow no respect well it's a nude it's a new version of five and dive new version they said nude no not nude. Yeah, the, the new version of five and dive makes 15 to 20 million dollars a year that's it's a correct. beautiful thing yeah uh, crazy how that happens. i mean i like it's good business if you can get it certainly no doubt do you think the pitch clock will also impact how how deep starters go into games Yes. Oh, for sure. It will. Um, And if this makes any sense, it will impact it in both ways. There will be shorter outings for starters. There will be longer outings for starters. If this makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. Because the the shorter outings, the, the idea of it, and we saw it a little bit in spring training, but not even close to where it's going to be in the regular season where games actually matter. We've seen some innings on different pitchers across baseball really snowball. There's not much room to breathe when you've got 15 to 20 seconds in between every pitch. Maybe you got a 30-second meeting with your pitching coach who comes out there only allowed to come out once still. Like, you really don't have much time. When you're feeling for it or when you've been backing up bases left and right, things go quickly, trust me. And (laughs) sometimes you would like to be able to slow it down. So there will be some games where a starter gets knocked out early. Like, he's just off his rocker, he's wheezing out there, and then he's getting beat up, and you better go get him because if you don't, he's going to get beat up even worse. But the flip side of this, and we saw this in spring training as well, hitters are ready early, and they are in swing mode. And if you if you are able to execute your pitch, you're going to get outs, and you're going to get them quickly. And we saw that too. Like we saw some innings where it's like two minutes, innings over. All right, coming back. You know, you got you know, one, two, three coming up. Like, holy crap. So I really do think that there are a lot of guys out there that are going to love this and take advantage of it. And I, I don't think at the end of the season, we're going to see a big disparity in innings from starting pitcher. If you're a guy that throws around 170 innings a year, I think there's a good chance you're probably still going to be around that 170 innings. But I think that you might see some bigger peaks and valleys when it comes to it. Maybe you had one where you just got knocked out in the second. You walked the tunnel at Fenway. You hit everything you can. And <laughs> Including you your face. You knock yourself out. Yeah. yeah. 
like maybe it's pretty descriptive. One of those. And then maybe you end up seeing another one uh, where you end up going out there uh, and uh, you, you have 60 pitches and you're in the seventh inning. I think there might be a lot of that. What do you guys think, though, man? As you guys watch all of these spring training games, do you think it's going to have an effect? Uh, I think to a certain level it will. But I also have a, a little bit of a theory here, too, that it's going to affect the hitters. And, and you, you brought that up just a couple minutes ago. But uh, future St. Louis Cardinal at least wishful thinking, Max Scherzer, he started pulling some things off in spring training to where the moment he got the ball back, he's ready to pitch and forcing the hitters like to be in the box and then and then just waiting for the entire pitch clock and then pitching, and then the next time up pitching four seconds into it, like playing mind games with the hitters. So I, as much as it can be something that affects the pitchers, I think that if they utilize it properly, it can they can also mess with the hitters as well. Yeah, I think so, too. I I think that it just comes down to it's easier to mess with hitters and mess with timing when things are going well for you. When things are not going well, that's when the the things actually really start speeding up on you. And you're right, Max Scherzer, he's a little bit different animal. It was actually Max Scherzer that in spring training, the league had to send out a memo. It's like, okay, well, you can't do this because <laughs> Max, Max ended up breaking the code. Like, he was getting to the point where the guy would get in the box, and then as soon as the eyes, like, barely peeked up, he was coming, and then that made that batter step out, use his timeout, and then Max would stand there with yeah. the ball until the clock was about to strike one. You know how uncomfortable that is as a hitter in ready position to sit for 50 freaking seconds? I love it. And then, yeah, I do too. I do too. And I think that we'll see a little bit of that gamesmanship within the rules and tempo and timing. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that's why it's going to get interesting. Whether you love the rules or you hate the rules, they're going to be interesting. I think we'll see some guys fly through games. I think you'll see some struggles early in some of them. But, again, I think it all comes out in the wash. The one that we haven't talked about a ton, and I forget who wrote about it recently. It might have been Jason Stark at The Athletic or or, or somebody. But it is the the challenge rule. That rule is changing a little bit, too. Not that you have more or less challenges. But, guys, all this stuff is confined in time restraints also. So if you want to challenge something now – it has to be directly after the play. The manager has to be on the front step, and he's got to have his hands up right after the play. As soon as he puts his hand up, there's a 15-second timer that starts on him. There's no more of the umpire walking his way. Hey, Ollie, what are you thinking? You guys want to look at it? Give me a second, CB. Hey, what have you been doing lately? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever, like, pick your umpire, pick right? Pick your guy. Uh, but there is no more of that. So, like, there is that part of it is going to be really interesting. I think that there are going to be some plays in games where when we have the opportunity on a broadcast to look at it longer than 15 seconds and realize, oh, man, Ollie and the Cardinals probably should have gone out there and they should have challenged this one. That That is going to be a finite amount of time and is going to speed things up, but it's going to make it very difficult on managers. I'm interested to see how that works. Yeah, I, I kind of like that aspect because I, do, I don't like the challenge at all. I hate oh, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. See, it just it get adds off like my a, lawn, Anthony. a game show. <laughs> yeah, at some point you do have to get off my lawn, Jamie. It's getting a little creepy, man. Oh, no, your lawn's great. Too. Green Envy green does envy, a fantastic that's, job. You're, you're right. I don't God, blame you. It's the greenest lawn in the neighborhood. It's incredible. They do a great job. Yeah. You could stay. It's fine. Thank yeah, I, I understand now. Uh, I, don't, I don't like the game show aspect of it where you're, okay, let's let's not put this on the manager who's got a million things going on, doesn't have the, the camera, 
you know, that doesn't have the review capability. So you get you get the hand up, you're talking to the guy on the phone, the phone, phone guy's talking to the guy in the video room. It just seems unnecessary. And if you're trying to make the game flow better, why don't you take a look at how you look at replay as well? Because that is not efficient. And it's dumb. I, I just what's the purpose of it? the purpose is to get it right, isn't it? Like, I don't like the the idea that you have the well, if you get it wrong, OK, now you're out of challenges. Well, why? Like, right. why are we not just looking at that this? 50 50? We went with the call on the field. You lose. Sorry. I know. I know. And then oh, sorry, we botched seven other ones. But that's on you because <laughs> you lost your challenge earlier. I, I do think at some point that there's going to be a better way to do it. We've opened up Pandora's box here already. We're not going to go back. We're not going to go out there, Jamie, and just say, hey, no more replay. OK, I know we'll stuff it right back into that box. Can't do that. OK, we've already <laughs> shown you that we have all of these angles. And now we got to use them. Use them smart. Don't we have enough people? Doesn't baseball make enough money where it's like bang bang? Yes, you got it right. No, you didn't. Like we forget reviews. Have a little little pager right there. Pager kids is something. Where... <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to explain that one to All the right, young crowd. Have a little transmitter, okay? Just on the umpire's <laughs> well, belt. Well, we already it's went like... through this with the Astros. Okay, okay, but this is the umpire. This is a, a man of, of, of you're honor opening and, the gateway and, again. Yeah. And CB Buckner, like where you put a <laughs> shot. Uh, you have that little thing yeah green you got it right red you didn't and just fix it however you want to do it jamie the shot caller might work too um i think there are better ways to do it but nonetheless these are the rules like that they're working with right now but the new challenge the restraint on that one and the fact that major league baseball gentlemen will be looking into how quickly the bat boys and girls are doing their oh, job. Oh yeah, I yeah, saw you got to hold those. You got to hold those kids Training responsible for them now. Huh? Yeah. That's right. How that fast do right. they have to get the bat now? Look fast enough, you'll know. Okay, it's it's uh, what, what was that? Uh, the old line. It's like porn. I know it when I see it. Uh, it's got to be fast enough. Huh. Okay, that was uh, that was used in court, I believe, one yeah. time. Uh, so it's uh, one of those. It's got to be fast enough, boys. You know, Anthony. Uh-huh. Yeah, Anthony, you know, yeah. you said it. I think that was uh, Michelle. Who was that, that said that Michelle Small. Mich- Michelle Smallman said it last week. Oh, did she? Yeah, <laughs> she did. <laughs> perfect. perfect. You shocked me when you said that. Yeah, perfect. Her well, or him? Anthony, Both. dig into your yeah. court cases. Yeah, one time. <laughs> uh, but it, it really is. Uh, it's it's crazy. But if if Major League Baseball, I was thinking about this as soon as that happened. If Major League Baseball like didn't throw that out there, you know how many people are probably just going to get these like very slow uh, bad boys. Like, boy, I got to get some extra time here. Need a little something. That's actually that makes not, sense. It's, it's actually yeah. not crazy. It's not crazy. Be- well, but would the bat boy go slow? Because it'd be helping the pitcher to go slower, wouldn't it? Well, it it, it depends, right? The, if like you the team doesn't carry their down. own bat boy on the road, do they? No. Oh, they're gonna, they're to about to, BT. Yeah, right. Here's our guy, <laughs> Wheels McGee. <laughs> BT, do they need to evaluate the umpires as well? Because what happened yesterday with JT Real oh, Muto oh my was gosh. something else, dude. Look, this is a story. Do they need to evaluate the umpire? God, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. For sure. Um, and they can say, well, we do these. We do these charts. You don't do enough because you look around and, and the league, uh, it, it could be better with the umpires. And I, I, I do. I will say it's a very difficult job. And it's one, we're ruining the future of umpiring at the youth level because people are terrible to umpires. Who on earth would want to be an Agreed. umpire with as awful as parents are nowadays? Yeah. So we can be better, okay? If you want umpires to be better at the big league level, let's start at a grassroots level. When you go to your kid's game tonight, maybe start there. Uh, but 
Yes, like that was it, it's it's turning into the ump show. Everybody's looking for a slight. Everybody's looking for a, oh, did you disrespect me? Pump up. JT Real Muto is like one of the nicest guys ever. He like looks back. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. So I, I just didn't think that you were gonna give me. He the didn't baseball. even know. Right. He had no idea what had no even clue. happened. He the pitch before the umpire threw the ball back to the pitcher. So JT Real Muto is like, oh, obviously that's about to happen again, and it didn't. He kicks him out of the game. Yeah, there needs to be some more consequences and repercussions when it comes to the umpires, but there also needs to be a good pool of umpires coming up next. It's my understanding it's a pretty darn lucrative business. Now, it's not an easy business, but it's one that if you get to the big league level, a lot like being a baseball player, you can make some good money. But uh, I just don't think that we have a good enough pool of, of people, of candidates that are there for it. Agreed. That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. More Cardinals talk coming up, including what changes did Nolan Gorman make to have such a good spring, and what can we expect out of him? Everybody's talking about Jordan Walker, and rightfully so, as the the young Cardinal to, to watch, but Cardinals certainly have another guy, Nolan Gorman. We'll get into him and his potential this season next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Last segment with our guy, Brad Thompson. Filling in today for a first hour, talking a little Cardinals baseball. Is he baseball. filling in, or is he just he's on the back? Show. Like, what he's you, back. Well, how do we describe this? Yeah, he's filling back. in because we're all here. I mean, I, I feel like uh, this feels like home, guys. You know, it well, doesn't you literally feel are like in your uh, home. you're in your home. You're yeah. in your basement. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah. What I meant was being with you guys mm. feels like I'm home. Like it feels like I, I I left to go to school or something, but you didn't change my room up. You didn't no. turn it into a game room or a, a bar, Jamie. So I appreciate uh, I appreciate you leaving my room the way that it was. This feels yeah. nice. Yeah, your trophies are still there. Yeah, and All literally yeah, yep. am at home though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. BT, no one too. What's that? Big trophy. Oh Big yeah. Series trophy. Of course. Good First stuff. place. Yeah, baby. You're not, now you're not no ribbons to, up in here. No, no ribbons. No. You're not supposed to take those trophies, uh, BC. You're going to have to bring that back to the Cardinals at some point. Ah, they'll well, be fine. You know, they uh, got a they, lot of they, them. They have got a bunch of them, right? 11. <laughs> well, what's 10? Is anybody really counting them when they're in there? You're having a couple of beers. Anyhow, you're not counting the trophies. I could see, um, I could see Mo having somebody designated to you know, polish the trophies once oh, yeah. a week. No, I could see that. Yeah, yeah of net, course. Net, net. You get net, 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 net. Mm. Uh, There's a little bit of dust on that. BT, uh, <laughs> Nolan Gorman has made some changes to his swing, and they have paid dividends, at least in spring training. What what do we what should we know about Gorman? And it, do you see him being, you know, not – well, I'll just ask it this way. Do you see him being a regular this season? Yeah, Full I Full time. I uh, well, I I can see the DH role bouncing in and out. I think that his position is is interesting because Donovan we we believe is a better defender, although he's transitioned to second base pretty darn well. But I see him getting a lot of at bats and a lot of opportunity. And one of the things that we talked about a lot, and we talked about this at the end of the season. You asked me like, what's the biggest change? 
that he's going to have to make in his swing. I said he's going to have to start working top to bottom in his swing. He's getting abused at the top of the strike zone, and if his swing always starts with his hands going under and having that uppercut swing at the big league level, they will bury you because these guys can end up making their pitches more times than not. You make a mistake, he makes you pay for it. We saw some majestic home runs from him last year. He ended up hitting 14 of them. You look at some of the hard hit rates, you like what you see there, but the whiff rate, the strikeout rate, it could be better for him. So he decided to end up going out there at uh, he's still 22 years old and make the changes this offseason. Like he realized that if he wanted to stay at the big league level and really thrive, that he was going to have to work on his swing, realize what pitchers were doing to him, and adjust accordingly. And that's exactly what he did. And I know that you guys read it. Derek Gould wrote a good piece about him at the Post-Dispatch about some of the changes that he ended up making. But it started with the realization of, and to me, this is a big one. At again, an age of 22 years old, that what I'm doing right now is not working. Mm -hmm. This got me here, but this won't keep me here. And he made those changes. And the changes for him started in the weight room, and he started doing it with medicine ball and just getting into his load with the medicine ball and just getting the strength of his hands going back and working that way and working on a level plane as opposed to the hands looping through and under. And he did it with T work. He did high a high T drill. He did it with his soft toss. But the the eye set for him, his eye level is he's looking fastball top of the zone, which is the hardest pitch to catch up to. Anybody that that has played played ball at any level, uh, whether you were a a stud in you know little league or high school, or you get to college and your phone rings, and then you <laughs> you get there and. Uh, they tell you like, oh, sure off, you're like nah, more of a second baseman. Um, <laughs> what the but, hell? Uh, wow. You know that the fastball at the top of the zone, it looks like you can hit it. It's a very difficult one to hit, though, up above the zone. It's so very difficult. I don't know why you had to go the second baseman route, but it is. You're right, it was very it's, random. It's it's. It is difficult to hit the the high fastball. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is uh, like, I was just putting together the story where everyone could relate to sure. it. You know what I mean, Anthony? And I uh-huh. think that, that hit home for you. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> he's still setting his sights there. He's looking there and then reacting with everything else. If you're looking for heat, first of all, up in the zone, there are very few guys that I know of that can go up there looking. Unless it's a certain situation, certain pitchers say, all right, I'm a breaking ball guy. Let's go hit some breaking balls. And then any heater is probably going to get blown by you. But he, we've seen it in spring. He ended up uh, capping off his spring with his fourth homer, a freaking linea that he hit to center field, line drive swing. And he's working at the top of the zone and working down. If you throw him something else, he can still punish it. But it doesn't have to be that towering, beautiful, 470-foot mammoth home run. He's got the power. His line drives are going to get out of the yard just as easily as some of these big towering shots. And now he's given himself a chance at some of these other pitches. BT, we're looking forward to Thursday. I know you are, too. You'll be alongside Chip Carey for Bally Sports Midwest and uh, – yeah, it's it's almost opening day, so we're fired up. Thanks for joining us in this first hour. Dude, I miss you guys. Can't wait to see you on Thursday. It's going to be a blast. And, guys, I don't think that your computers are going to get rained on this year, and I don't think that anybody's going to unplug your, your uh, microphone and that your was headphones, Anthony. Because... Right while he was talking. <laughs> Dead air. A lot of people liked it, I think. I, I had to take over. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, I was like, ah. Was that two years ago? Yeah. 
So our, our guy Doty was panicking, just yeah. ripped your, your headset out <laughs> while you were mid-sentence. Two years ago, opening day, we're outside. It's it's a little chilly, a little chilly outside, and it starts to rain. And uh, yeah, our, our one of our engineers, Doty, who does a great job, but he you know he's trying to get the equipment out of the rain, obviously. And well, yeah, he doesn't want to melt down. No, and we we our laptops. I think yours fried out. Oh yeah, mine's done. I'm still waiting for that one. And then yeah, my headset got unplugged as oh, yeah. I was talking, and I was like, Don't air. Was a company ah. man. <laughs> Company man, protect the assets. That's yep. for sure. You guys are not the assets no. in the rain. It's no, the hats, it's the equipment. Maybe, but yeah, yeah, very true. BT, uh, we probably won't see you Thursday, but enjoy the action. We'll certainly be watching. Can't wait. I'll talk to you guys Thursday for sure, and uh, enjoy the hour. You guys have a great rest of the show. Thank you. So that's Brad Thompson. That's our guy, World Series champion. Again, he'll be Thursday, Bally Sports Midwest, alongside Chip Carey as the Cardinals open up against the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll be at Ballpark Village all day long. 101 ESPN has that coverage for you, so we're, we're really looking forward to it again. Opening day coverage for 101 ESPN, all brought to you by Rawlings, Green Envy Lawn Care, and Budweiser. Bam. The Athletic put together a list of 10 of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL and why they're so valuable. Hmm. Two of those players are former Blues players. Hmm. Petro? Nope, 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 nope. Uh, did the Blues give up too early on these two guys? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. The Athletic put together a list of the NHL's top most underrated defensemen and why they're so valuable. And as you're scrolling through the list, eventually you get to a couple of names, Jamie, that you recognize. Really? Petro? Uh, nope. Nope. Vince Dunn of yeah. the Seattle Kraken, of course. Dunn was exposed in the expansion draft. He was claimed by the Seattle Kraken. And uh, he's played very well. The other name that you may recognize, Jake Wallman. Oh, Wally. Part of the deal for Nick Letty a year ago at the trade deadline. Yep. So Jake Wallman and Vince Dunn. Yeah. I think BK and Ferrario were, were talking about this were very they? thing. Uh, did the Blues give up too early on those those defensemen? No. Not at all. I mean, he didn't have room for him. It's the bottom line. Like, Vince Dunn was good, adequate here. The Blues wanted him to take bigger strides, figuratively and literally, to earn more ice time. In fact, Craig Berube gave him more ice time. He couldn't handle it. And they would have liked to hang on to him, except they had this thing called the expansion draft. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You had to expose one of your defensemen at that point. And there were trades that were available out there for the Blues at one point where the Blues were just seeking a third-round pick in return. For Vince Dunn, rather than just losing him to the expansion draft, they're like, ah, let's see if we can put. Yeah. So, if the Blues were only couldn't even get a third round pick for Vince Dunn at that time, did they really make the wrong call? Did they give up too soon? No, they had. I mean, you're right. They had to do something. But but the return, Anthony. If if I'm asking for a third round pick and nobody's giving it to me, what's that telling you? It tells it tells you that the value is very low on Vince Dunn across the league. Yeah, and so. With opportunity, sometimes comes success. And now Vince Dunn, 
much like Jake Wallman, which the funny thing is, and we'll get into Jake Wallman in a second, they both possess a very similar skill set to where they're not the biggest guys on the ice. Uh, they skate extremely well, move the puck pretty well. Sometimes the hockey IQ eludes them at times. And that's kind of where Vince Dunn was. He would have the, um, you call him the the dynamite moment, okay? Way back when we call oh, boy, he's got, that guy there, he's always got a dynamite moment. And all that means is at one point or another, it's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. And that's where they were. Young defenseman, it happens. I was that guy. Skate around, oh, that is great, great, great. Oh, shoot, giveaway, goal. Son of a. <laughs> what happened? Pass through the middle of the ice, knockdown, goal. God. <laughs> Dang it! Like, you know what I mean? Like, those things happen to young defensemen. So it's not like I'm sitting here sewering these guys. I lived your life. I get it, okay? But Vince Dunn... I threw the paper right the... Yeah, yeah, this, where do you think I got it the from? Streak. I threw that weak-ass paper through the middle of the ice and it ended up in my net. Hmm. You know what, though? Should Jamie that one, Fierzy. Recovers, though. <laughs> oh he recovers God. and ends up uh, ending a franchise... Yeah, I did. And, and, and the did. process. Yep, yep. I did. Take that, Phoenix. The Phoenix Coyotes, never right. the same. Never the same. Where were um, you on that one, Fuhrer? It hit him, at least. <laughs> Rolled through. Now, Fuhrer, he's one of my best friends in the yeah. world. Love that guy. And, you know, he's pretty good. Oh, yeah. And he would giggle himself, and then he would sewer me again. <laughs> and as he should. <laughs> but no, in seriousness here, Vince Dunn was a guy where when you looked at the Blues defensive core at the time, you're like... Where do we go? You, you just given Marco Scandella a three-year extension. You weren't leaving him exposed for the draft. You had, uh, what was it? You had uh, Scott Perunovich. You had, I believe you had Tori Krug. Yeah, that would have been, yes, that would have been Krug. So where where does Vince Dunn fit in? Right. Yeah, You know, like. Well, you, you made a great point about if, if, the report is accurate that the Blues were just seeking. A, oh, it's accurate. Okay, well there you go. So if they were seeking a third round pick for Vince Dunn, they weren't getting it. That that shows you, that tells you all you need to know about his value at the time. Yeah, at the time. And now here to flip this thing really quick. Yeah. Credit to Vince Dunn. He's gone to Seattle and he has taken his game to another level. And I I, I love that for Vince Dunn. He's a, one of the nicest guys ever. Just a great dude. Good teammate. All of that stuff. But he wouldn't have gotten to that level here. He wouldn't have gotten that premium ice time or the opportunity. It's not that he wasn't good enough. It's just that the, sometimes those are the downfalls of being on a good team is you don't get that that uh, top ice time. So for Jake Wallman, the biggest thing that I, uh, Jake Wallman had going against him was he would skate himself into trouble all the time. And what I mean by that is he can skate with the best of them in the NHL. Man, he can skate. But he would skate and hang on to the puck so long that he ended up to a spot where he couldn't do anything with it, and then he'd either throw it away or get it taken away from him, and there'd be a turnover. Mm-hmm. So the dynamite moment would happen to him a couple of times uh, per game. And Jake Wallman was even lower on that depth chart at the time within this organization. So you trade him to a team that took on his contract. They're in a complete rebuild. What do we care? We had Nick Letty and Jake Wallman, very similar skill sets. We Nick Letty, who's not going to resign here. Let's go get Jake Wallman, see if we can work with him. Sure. So why not? And now what Jake Wallman has done in Detroit is he's gone from skating himself into trouble to skating his way out of trouble. And what I mean by that is you watch guys like Nick Letty, Colton Pareko, when they're on their game, it's two or three hard strides, they're out of the zone. But then Wallman's moving the puck now. 
and then continuing to join the attack. Watching him for two games in a row when the Blues played the Red Wings just last week, it was evident that he has evolved as a player, whether himself or the coaching staff. Now, Bob Bugner, who's assistant coach in Detroit, former NHL defenseman, was a head coach in San Jose, he's a really good hockey mind, too. And, again, a former NHL defenseman. So I think he's gotten into Jake Wallman's ear and helped him out tremendously. And then, you know, people say, well, it's pretty easy. He's playing with Maurice Sider. Well, flip that for a second. How about he's playing well enough to be his partner? Yeah. Because they don't necessarily want to handicap their best player with their weakest defenseman. That's like, true. Well, this is our weakest defenseman. Let's put him with him. Why would you do that? I'd want to maximize my stud. Yeah. And to maximize him, I'm going to put him with a guy who can skate and pass and defend. And that's one thing that Wallman has done extremely well so far for the Red Wings. He's really good defensively. He's using his speed appropriately. He's taking away time and space, got a good stick. When all hell breaks loose, he's willing to block a shot. So I like the evolution of both players. They wouldn't have had that evolution here. So mm-hmm. to fast forward now to the current Blues and you know, wondering about you know, did they give up too soon or can they develop young defensemen? Yeah, they are. They're currently trying to develop Scott Perunovic, but unfortunately the young man can't stay healthy. He has all the skills necessary to be um, a dominant offensive player in the NHL to be determined if he can play defense. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's just he hasn't been healthy long enough, and the sample size of him playing hasn't been um, the greatest on the defensive side, so much so that when they dressed seven defensemen last year in the playoffs, it was only for him to play power play only. Now you got a couple of shifts in there, but when the team doesn't trust him enough to take a regular shift, even as a defenseman, whether it was due to injury or bringing him back, whatever, he's just got some developing to do. And he hasn't had the the amount of time of being healthy to do that. So he's down in Springfield, and I think that the team looked at both Dunn and Wallman and thought to themselves, we have a Perunovic on the way up who his ceiling is way higher than both of these players. So if we're going to gamble on a younger uh, smooth skating, puck-moving defenseman. Maybe we go with the Hobie Baker winner, which is the best college player in the nation. Because that's what he won. He won the Hobie Baker Award. So I think that's what the Blues did when they came down to deciding on whether or not they're going to keep certain players. So I don't think they gave up too soon, necessarily. I don't think it's a thing where Craig Berube is going to just give up on a young puck-moving defenseman. Heck, you, I think Craig Berube would welcome that with open arms right now. Mm-hmm. Chief always talks about the defenseman, get on their toes, get going, get in the play. He doesn't, he, Chief does not want an off the glass and out a clear it guy, Anthony. No offense. Um, which, That's by a the shame. way, it is. It's a shame. Which, by the way, um, we had that synergyhockeyskills.com, by the way. We had a synergy hockey clinic this weekend, and I came off the ice, and one of the dads says, Hey, when's that clear it camp? Yeah, thank you. No way. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Now, he was laughing when he said it, you know, and all this stuff, but uh, yeah. Laughing because he knows it's coming and he wants his uh, son to be a part of it. Yeah, we had yeah. to put on the website that the clear it camp is in no direct um, affiliation with synergy hockey. Yet. It's. <laughs> We're working on that. <laughs> That's Jimmy. Anthony's favorite word. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, to put a bow on this thing, the Blues want a puck-moving defense. Look at their roster right now, Undy. All of those guys are puck-moving, offensive-minded guys. Pretty much Falk can do it. Letty, Pareko can do it. Krug, certainly. Like You've got guys that you're encouraging to do it. So I don't believe the Blues cannot develop a young offensive-minded defenseman, and I don't believe that they gave up too soon on those other guys. 
It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. That's Jamie Rivers. Jamie was running on the treadmill today, and he he came up with an interesting question to one of the biggest dilemmas right now, uh, news-wise, in sports. Can this thing go any faster? No, not that. Oh, that. Okay. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So Jamie asked me a question earlier today in the office, and whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good one. And you said that you had thought about it when it came to your uh, workout. You were working out. You're running on the treadmill. Yeah. Well, sometimes you know, Anthony, when you get on the, the treadmill and you're uh, walking, running, whatever. Uh, I'm happy to be running this morning. Which, by the way, um, my knees and lower back are telling me that uh, might want to rethink some of that uh, from time to time. But anyways, uh, as I was doing that, I was watching some of the ESPN stuff. Can't hear it at all. I've seen Lamar, and then I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers. And I thought to myself, why the hell wouldn't the New York Jets pursue Lamar Jackson? Like, abandon the Aaron Rodgers thing and go for a equal level, higher ceiling, maybe? I don't know. Younger, for sure franchise quarterback you get a year out of Aaron Rodgers and you're going to give up the farm because apparently the Green Bay Packers are digging their heels in looking Mm. for everything they can possibly get from the New York Jets just because Aaron Rodgers has said yeah I want to play for the Jets now you're going to be forced to make a trade for me you're going to trade everything that you have for me for one year of good football and craziness why not go for Lamar Jackson if I'm the Jets, I would offer sheet him right now. And I don't, it's not an offer sheet. I would offer him a contract and get close to the guarantee. It's the New York freaking Jets. <laughs> Can you imagine adding Lamar Jackson to your mm. roster? I mean, I'm not saying give him Deshaun Watson's contract because nobody's going to do that. Right. But you go to Lamar and his, re- well, his representatives, that's funny. You go to <laughs> Lamar and you say, listen, dude, we're going to make you somewhere in the top five maybe even the top three in guaranteed money. Yeah, We're not going to Sean. You're not going to get that. But we really ex- we'd be really excited to have you as a New York Jet. Mm-hmm. And then you throw, the, like, you throw a big number so that maybe the Ravens don't match it. And then maybe, maybe it's a trade, whatever. I feel personally like the Jets just forcing the hand of the Ravens because I don't know if the Ravens would trade with the Jets being in the same conference. Right. Maybe, maybe not. But if if they I don't, don't know. if they don't match it, if they don't match the deal, yeah, if they don't match then it, that, that's it. Okay, but if they don't match it, it's two first round picks, right? Correct. You're looking to almost give that crap up for Aaron Rodgers right, right. now, and who knows how long he's going to play? Maybe a year, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a disaster. Maybe it's great. I don't know. My runway with Lamar Jackson is a lot longer. I can put up with a year of like so-so if I know that he's going to be a staple under center for me. Yeah. So I, I just don't know why the Jets haven't stepped up, pivoted, and said, screw it. Let's go after Lamar. Uh, if if we screw it up and we end up with Aaron Rodgers, it's a pretty good <laughs> consolation prize. No, I, I like it a lot, Jamie. And initially I said, well, the Ravens aren't going to trade him within the conference, but – 
they the way that they did the non-exclusive tag is that Lamar can go to whoever he wants, and the Ravens have a certain amount of time to match the offer or receive two, two first-round picks. So there's there's really nothing that they can do about it. They can't they can't reject a trade. They have to match that offer. So when it comes to Lamar Jackson, you know, potentially going to a team in the AFC, that's that's still that's still a possibility. And you're right. I mean, Lamar Jackson is better right now than than Aaron Rodgers when you factor in how young Lamar is. He's 26. Aaron Rodgers, year maybe two. And you're right. If you're going to give up two first round picks, which reportedly is what the Packers are, are looking for, because they're saying to themselves, "Hey, Jets, you're you're screwed. What are you going to do?" Well, if the Jets are entertaining Lamar Jackson at that point. Maybe the Packers say, ah, they, you know, never mind. We'll, we'll take a first round pick or a second round pick for Aaron Rodgers and just move and just move him, I, and maybe force the the Packers hand a little bit. But I like your idea. I just I'd rather go if I'm the Jets. I'd rather go with Lamar. But I, wouldn't wouldn't the the Ravens also want if he wants out and they want to trade? Wouldn't the Ravens want probably more from the Jets than the Jets would have to give away for Aaron Rodgers? There's nothing the Ravens can do if the Jets sign him to a. An offer, couldn't they match? They could match it. And okay, they, I feel like that's what—that's why all these teams though aren't but, saying they're interested because they know the Ravens could match what uh, what he's wanting. But there's clearly a number that the Ravens are uncomfortable with, mm-hmm. and there's clearly a number that a lot of teams aren't willing to go go to. So you're saying the Jets should get a little uncomfortable? That's in, in mm-hmm. Jamie's hypothetical thought yeah. here. Maybe it's not Deshaun Watson number. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's a, a number that's close you push to the that. envelope yeah. just enough so it's uncomfortable for the Ravens to match it. Yeah, and the Ravens say, "Well, why don't we go with a rookie QB now, and we're going to save about forty-five million over the next three to four years against our cap because we're going with the rookie QB. Mm-hmm. That rookie QB will not be better than Lamar, but that rookie QB gives us the the flexibility." to surround him, potentially, with, with a better team. That's the other thing people got to remember here. But everybody's like, why aren't the Colts interested and the Falcons interested? I keep saying it. They're not interested at that price. Yeah. How do I know that? Because Lamar Jackson's not on another team right now. That's how I know that. Could this be a big ploy, though, by the Ravens, just to see what the market is? I thought, I Jamie, I said it to you at the time. If Like, I'm sitting there going, like, eh, if it's you know 150 guaranteed, what's our what's our puke point as a franchise right now? Because unless it's Deshaun's money, what's the next level we can't get to? What's mm. the one we can't? What what are we willing to go to? I almost feel like the Ravens are using a bit of a cheat sheet on this one, knowing Lamar doesn't have representation for one thing. So not that he can't negotiate his own deal, but it hasn't been swimmingly great so far. Maybe they look at it and say, "What's he? Maybe he'll set the market lower than we'd be even willing to go." So then it's an easy match. A month ago, I said, "If I'm the Ravens," and I said on these airwaves, "If I'm the Ravens, I'm signing him to a non-exclusive franchise tag." If you did the exclusive tag, now you got a mess because Lamar can't negotiate with anybody else. If you do a non-exclusive. Lamar has an opportunity to negotiate with other teams, but if you're the Ravens, now you know what the market is. You're only worth what somebody is willing to pay you. So if Lamar goes to market 
and other teams are willing to pay him $230 million guaranteed. Now the Ravens know we have to make a decision. I thought it was a genius move. And if you look at it now, it's even more genius. Because Lamar's not getting the, the, the number. He's not hearing the number that he wants. So it's either go back to the Ravens and continue to negotiate, or you're going to have to lower your price. So quick question regarding Lamar. As I'm educating myself on the process in the NFL, Lamar has one more year left under the franchise tag. Is that correct? If he signs it. But is that correct? Yeah. So, again, I brought this up to you earlier today. If you're the New York Jets, I'm going back to this well. I'm just I'm fixated on this, sure. okay? So you have to excuse bad, my bullheadedness. But why would you not fly Lamar in and meet everybody? Hey, Lamar, this is our coaching staff, offensive coordinator. Here's this, that, the other, a practice facility. I mean, you name it. Here's our playbook. Or maybe you don't give them the playbook, but here's, <laughs> here's what we are thinking for you. This is what our playbook would look like for you. Mm-hmm. And then if Lamar, if, you know, if Sugar turns to you-know-what, Lamar says, fine, I guess I'll just sign the franchise tag for a year, then become a free agent. Now you've got a little bit of a leg up if you're the Jets. Yeah. He's met everybody, he's comfortable, he sees what the plans are, and you just go knocking at the door, hey, hey, Lamar, remember us? We'd like to have you. Come on back. Yeah. He saw everything. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, is that even a strategy? I mean, it could be. I, see, I don't understand. Or would Lamar even play this year? If he doesn't play, does it burn that year, the franchise tag? No. So no matter what. So, okay, so if he doesn't play, he's no farther ahead. Correct. Okay. All that makes sense. I mean, I'm learning this, and it's all kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't understand why any team wouldn't just talk with him, though. Because obviously he's ticked. Maybe they are. See, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, you're right. When nobody's publicizing it because they right. don't want to show their hand. Kerry Davis brought up a great point. We, we're going to record a, a new NFL podcast that we're going to feature at some point this week on 101ESPN.com. Kerry brought up the point of he, he requested the trade on March 2nd. The only reason why we heard about it is because Lamar said it yesterday. So clearly, whatever his circle is, his circle of, of friends... They did not let this get out. It's not like he demanded the trade on March 2nd, and then March 3rd, he heard about it. So perhaps, to your point, Jamie, there are other teams that are talking to him. Now, Schefter of ESPN.com, Adam Schefter of ESPN.com, said today something interesting about the the guaranteed contract and whether or not Lamar is still searching for that. In speaking to somebody in the Lamar Jackson camp, they said that he would be willing to take a non-fully guaranteed deal from somebody, whether that's Baltimore or anybody else. But I think the discussions with Baltimore have focused around a fully guaranteed deal. But I was told that Lamar is willing to take a non-fully guaranteed deal. Now, we'll see if that holds true. The other part is, who would be the interested bidders that are out there? A lot of teams have already spent their money, made moves at the quarterback position, and obviously, if you're going to an elite quarterback like Lamar, you have to redo your offense still because it's a different type of offense that you run with Lamar. And Mina raised that other point. I think that really becomes interesting. With In light of how soft the market has been so far, if he cannot get another team, then you have to begin to let your mind wander and say, okay, well, what is the next step here? 
Jamie, you you rose your you raised your hand there. Did you have something? Yeah, but I went blank. No. Okay. So Sheffy kept talking, and I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> if if it Lamar, might come back, Anthony. If it does, I might interrupt you just fine. because I'm not being rude. It's just that you know, yeah. hamsters, hamsters back, in the, back in the wheel. Yeah. yeah. If Lamar Jackson is willing to take a non-guaranteed contract, then or I'm sorry, oh, it's uh, back. Yeah, non-guaranteed. Go ahead. It's back. Uh, who's part of his camp? He's talking to Lamar's representatives. So did you talk to Lamar, uh, Yeah, Lamar or, or somebody. What's, this guy, what's that guy's yeah. name? Fred Daniels? <laughs> the guy the, the, with the equipment? His business, the business partner? partner? Yeah. yeah. If if Lamar Jackson is at this point willing to take a contract that is non-guaranteed, then I, I think this this whole process gets gets kicked in. Like Now we could start talking about the other teams again. I think the timeline also matters here, too. Let's keep in mind that, he, that roughly a year ago, Deshaun Watson signed his deal with the Browns. And it was widely panned as one of the worst decisions, worst contract decisions for any team. Then, because he missed so much time, he comes back, does not play well. Lamar gets hurt, and I know the two situations aren't the same, off off or on the field. But nonetheless, Lamar Jackson has been banged up the last two years. He's missed games, and he missed a playoff game a year ago. So you got Deshaun Watson a year ago saying... Or, or you know, given the non guaranteed the uh, the guarantee, fully guaranteed contract, Lamar probably said to himself, "Great, market set. I don't need an agent. I'm going to get a little bit more because I'm a better player." But teams said to themselves, "That was a dumb deal. We would never do that." So Lamar's saying, "I'm better than Deshaun Watson. Bar's been set." Teams are like, "We're not stupid, like Cleveland is." So you get this <laughs> impasse now. So if he's willing to come down on the price a little bit, I think the the market will be flooded. With teams interested in Lamar Jackson, you can't convince me that these teams, all these teams, are not interested. Give me a break. They are. They're just either being very, very quiet, waiting for the dust to settle, or seeing where the market sets itself for this guy. They're not interested at that price. Yeah. All right. We're gonna uh, we're gonna play a mic drop from our guy Michael, who actually left us a mic drop yesterday. He was uh, he was he was critical. He was critical of of, of me and the city SC coverage here. I actually left us another mic drop. What was it, yesterday, Marsh? After kind of mm-hmm. listening to it? So we're going to play that in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, because Michael, I think it, he opens up a conversation here that uh, that we wanted to have here in the fast lane. But again, that's in about 10 minutes. What's trending is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fastlane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, earlier this morning... Our pals, Cat Friendly, Jamie's favorite Twitter account and favorite website to search stuff. Love those guys. They tweeted, with the New York Rangers clinching the playoffs last night, the 2024 fourth-round pick sent to the Blues in the Tarasenko trade will now upgrade to a 2024 third-round pick. So not only are the Blues getting a resurgent Sammy Blay, but now they are getting a 2024 third-round pick for that Tarasenko trade. Yeah, this deal looks better and better all the time. You know, Doug Armstrong had to make a move when it came to Vladimir Tarasenko, and so he moved Vladdy to the Rangers. In return, Marshy talking about uh, he got the uh, 
first round pick in 2023. Sammy Blay, Hunter Skinner, a minor league project uh, for the Blues. But then the fourth round pick became a third round pick when the Rangers made the playoffs. And Sammy Blay has outscored Vladimir Tarasenko in that short period of time, too. And he's also averaging over 16 minutes a game. Vladimir Tarasenko is averaging about 13 and a half minutes a game. Oh, that's because... I don't know. Now, teams that they're on are going in different directions, certainly. Um, and uh, we we wish nothing but the best for Vladdy. But this trade, once again, looks like a great job by Doug Armstrong. And Sammy Blay, by the way, guys, he's playing amazing. Like, he really is. Watching him night in and night out. The other night he had, what, six or seven hits. And he had... What, a goal and an assist? Like, this guy's everywhere right now. He's scoring. He's making plays. He's he's still mangling bodies out there. He's blocking shots. I I love what I'm seeing out of Sammy Blay recently for the Blues. And, again, this is a a guy that, if we want to talk about Vince Dunn and Jake Wallman, how they've thrived in other environments or whatever, well, this guy's come back to this environment, and he's thriving right now. So getting Sammy Blay and then re-upping him next year, which looks to me like it's going to be an absolute steal if Sammy Blay can even come close to producing what he's doing right now next year and then getting all the other picks as well. It's a great job by Doug Armstrong. Guys, UNC men's basketball guard and St. Louis native Caleb Love announced that he will be entering the transfer portal. He announced on social media what does this mean for Mizzou, and could he possibly be a Tiger in the near future? I mean, that would be great. Let's call him. We're allowed to now, aren't we? Yeah, uh, us? Yeah, we could offer him some NIL money. Yeah, we don't have any money, Jamie. <laughs> no, we have money. We do? <laughs> Not lots of it, but we could offer him something. Maybe some Raising Canes. Yeah. We could always mm. offer that. Sure. You know? Hmm. Made it hook I him mean, up. who... Who wouldn't want racing canes? I okay, agree. let's let's call him up. No, like local products. I'm a little surprised that he's decided to, to transfer. You know, from North Carolina, but that would be a gr- that would be a huge pickup for Mizzou. Mm-hmm. And with the way that they had you know put together their 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 uh, their season this year, they get that you know the first NCAA tournament victory since 2010. Gates has done a, a remarkable job. I think he's somebody that is you know i hate to use the term player friendly but he seems to really connect with players so who knows jamie yeah maybe caleb love it's going with the black and gold here's a spin zone swan just texted this in caleb love to slew just watch okay okay all right interesting what program uh travis ford also very good when it comes to recruiting yeah very good um but if i'm just thinking uh, out loud here like what Dennis Gates did with Mizzou in that program, I think they're heading in a better direction than SLU right now, are they not? Like SLU still would say so. Like SLU's still good. You know, we cheer for them, nothing but the best for them. But when you look at both teams, if you had a scale, I think the scale's kind of tipped right now the, towards Mizzou. The arrow is pointing up for Mizzou. I don't yeah. think there's any question about it. No, I, I agree with that, Jamie. And I think again, the that somebody that and look, we we don't speak for Caleb Love, not yet, not yet, Call but. Me. I think that if you're a, a, a young kid from this area and you and you watched, you kept an eye on what Dennis Gates did in his first year, you get on the phone with Dennis Gates and everything you read about him, 
He's somebody that is is always learning. He's he's always trying to find different ways to to connect with people on a different level, understand who the player is, so that when he comes to the program, he can maximize said talent, and the player doesn't feel like he's wasting his time. If Caleb Love had a bad experience at at North Carolina, I'm not saying one way or another he did, but look, he is transferring. He's entering the transfer portal. Maybe Dennis Gates can speak to him, and you know, Caleb, you wind up getting Caleb Love for a year. Caleb, we know you didn't like that Carolina barbecue. Come home, come home <laughs> for that St. Louis barbecue. It's all about the barbecue. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was texting with a noted college basketball fan and Mizzou lover Action Jackson oh, of the Balloon Sir Party Pills. and TMA. Uh, I was wondering if there was a good chance that. Caleb Love could be a Tiger, and he said Mizzou finished second to UNC when he originally committed, and I was like, well, that's without Dennis Gates, too. He said, unfortunately, that was also before NIL. He will go wherever gives him the most cheddar, and I don't blame him. Hmm. So can Mizzou end up providing the most amount of NIL money? I I mean, maybe an open bar tab at Harpo's. That could help. Hmm. Been there. (laughs) I can't believe these kids can afford drinks like that. At the end of the night, my wallet was crying. <laughs> How are these college kids doing this stuff? I don't know if they're drinking as much as you, Jamie. Well, maybe not as much, but they're drinking some of the same stuff. True. So one kid ordered a drink. It was like $30 for three drinks. Yeah. Like, dude, how does this college kid have $30? Uh, by the way, Love, of course, went to CBC. So if you're wondering, hey, local product, where did, where did he go? He went to CBC. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We got a, we got a uh, mic drop yesterday from... A, uh, a critical City SC fan, soccer fan, who's uh, very critical of me specifically, and listened to the mic drop that we played on air and our response to it and decided uh, he was going to leave another mic drop. And it kind of kind of spurred a conversation for us in the Fastlane office before the show that we're going to now have on air. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast lane on 101 ESPN, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Salter, Andrew Marsh. And we, as we said yesterday, we appreciate all mic drops, all listeners. You want to leave us a air comfort service text at 314-399-9646. Great. If you want to leave us a mic drop, even better, because then we have an opportunity to hear what your thoughts are in the way that you want it, want it to, to come across. Text, you don't, you don't know. And as Jamie has warned you, Jamie reads everything angry. I, I don't know why. It's a really bad habit of mine, but like even my kids will text me something. Like, What's your problem? They're like, nothing, Dad. I'm asking you to help me with my homework. Right. I'm like, right. oh. My right. bad. I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe there's a point in my life where someone texts me and it was nothing but negative. So it's kind of instant yeah. for you. So just now it's just repetitive. Yeah. Did he also have the name Mike or Michael? Uh, no. No, she didn't. Mm. So yesterday, Michael left us the mic drop, 
And uh, he was, he, he did say me specifically, and we appreciate the constructive criticism, but we also want to give Michael a chance because Michael left us another mic drop, and Marsh kind of said to this, hey, listen, maybe maybe re- revisit this. And yesterday, and you could go back and listen to our podcast at 101ESPN.com, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. If you want to hear Michael's original, original mic drop, we won't replay it. But here's what uh, Michael responded with after hearing his mic drop played on air yesterday. Anthony, Michael here again about the St. Louis City. Uh, heard your uh, segment on my mic drop, and wow, I sure sounded like to get off my lawn, guy. <laughs> it wasn't great. Didn't come out the way I kind of had it in my head. Uh, yep, should have left out the Battle Hawks, I agree. But look, I just want somebody that's knowledgeable to speak about this team and their success. And, uh, you know, I want people to know that uh, their system and their style is creating chances for this team and uh, it's really amazing what they're doing so far i appreciate it thanks uh we appreciate you michael seriously leaving us another mic drop like that you know we we could certainly handle criticism i mean my god we constructive we see it all the time well even non-constructive criticism it comes bashing us yeah because he can right And, and michael was not doing that yesterday he was being constructive no not michael uh, but, you know, any sort of tax measure, we can handle it. It's not a big deal. Sometimes we play into it. Sometimes we just ignore it. Sometimes, uh, I don't know, Ranthony Ranth- shows up. Sometimes we write back and then we laugh. Mm-hmm. But Michael yesterday was very passionate about the coverage for City SC. We've we've been very honest, I feel like, when it comes to the City SC coverage. We've been very honest about our our knowledge or lack thereof when it comes to soccer. And if I try, if I tried to break down the X's and O's of soccer, that I think would, would irritate more. I think that would irritate everyone, quite frankly, to irritate me. Cause I, I don't know. I, I did though make a commitment to watch the games, try to understand it a lot more. And what, what really spawned out of it was me watching the games in the way, you know, I, when I do my notes, yeah, there's there's a little bit of flair to it. Yeah, I'm having fun, but it, it it really is kind of capturing my thought process as I'm watching these games and I'm and I'm learning more about it. And people have liked it. You know, I mean, we I love it personally. We've yeah, gotten more positive reaction out of it than negative, so I'm going to keep doing it. However, we did talk about this in the office about, you know, how do we improve our coverage? Mm-hmm. The notes are are here to stay. As they should be. But how, how do we improve it? And we have reached out to City SC to have a player on each and every week. They have been gracious with us more, more times than not. This week, they, they didn't offer us a player when we requested. And that's fine. You know, that's that's just how it goes. These players are not being paid to come on our show. So if, if nobody's available, so be it. However, if you listen to the interviews that we've done with Kyle Hebert or the interviews that we've done with our guy, uh, Timmy P., you'll hear us ask questions related to the scheme or related to the team that to Michael's you know point about we I, I, I either want to have that knowledge or I hope that other people kind of gravitate toward the X's and O's of it. We're trying to get that out of those players. Jamie had a great idea too. If you have a if you have a specific X's and O's question about City SC, the players, the coaching, the scheme, send it to us. We're not going to ignore you. Yeah, send, send it, it to on the us. Text line. And say, hey, when you have an opportunity, this is a question I have. We're more than willing 
to take that and and apply it to our, our interview. Because if that's what you want, no problem at all. We're here for it. Whatever you want to like get out of the City SC coverage, we'll do our best. I am not going to sit here and, and break down X's and O's, though. No, yeah, but it's, as it's not going to happen. As you shouldn't, really. No, we want to hear that. I, I, I'm a big believer in uh, BSing makes it worse. It's Agreed. insulting the fan base. Totally. And we're not here to do that. We're we're truly excited. Honestly, we 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 text about it. We did, we're excited for this team and, and obviously elated with their success that they're having. But yeah, just text in to 314-399-9646 at any point during the week after an SC game or whatever and just say, "Hey, Marshy, City SC question." Boom. And Marshy'll grab that and he'll copy and paste it into a Word doc. And then we get, if we get several of the same kinds of questions, well, we know that we're going to ask. Maybe we'll ask Kyle. Maybe he can, when he comes back from the team camp, we'll ask Kyle or Bradley Carnell or Timmy P. Or if we get the Klausdale on here, we'll ask him yeah. some of those questions. But we're here to help, man. We are your connection to City SC. Yeah. So help us help you. But also understand what the what the overall Marsh you brought up this point yesterday. Understand what the overall tone is right now of the fast lane. And if you think that we're that we're like only poking fun or making fun or of of your sport guess what we make fun of ourselves we make fun of uh other sports we make f- and it's not really making fun as much as it's just kind of self-deprecation and you know that ability to 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 throw you know maybe a, a passive aggressive joke or use some satire while we're do- but if you think that any of the local teams or national teams aren't in our crosshairs when it comes to that then then you haven't been listening to the show Oh, we laugh at everybody. Mostly ourselves. Ourselves, right at the top of the food chain, is poking fun at myself. I do it all the time. Just go listen to any of the podcasts, uh, yeah. and that's fine. I laugh at Anthony a lot. A lot. Anthony laughs at me. We poke mm-hmm. fun at Marshy, especially when BT's not here. We make fun of BT all the time. Oh, sure. The Cardinals, the Blues, yeah. Battlehawks, you name it. Nobody's safe. But if you want, like, hey, you're, well, we're getting our inside Blues and, and Cardinals knowledge. What about City of No problem. We got you covered. No problem. Send in text, too, if you have a, sp- a very specific question on it. Cool? We good? Yeah, that's good. We friends again? Right, Probably not, good. but that's okay, Anthony. Yeah, you tried. Fine. Yeah, we tried. You tried. Michael, thank you. Thank you for leaving the mic drop again. And uh, I hope that uh, moving forward here, you'll get both fun and the ability to learn. <laughs> From the 217, holy ish, you all got in trouble again. <laughs> always. We're <laughs> like, always no. in trouble. Nobody yelled at us yet. It's only 4 o'clock. Which means it's time for the gauntlet. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN 404. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time for the gauntlet. We have a new gauntlet contestant. His name is Josh. What's up, Josh? I'm good, Anthony. How are you doing? Doing great, man. You ready for opening day? Oh, yeah. I am ready. I'm ready to take off a half day. That a boy. You're going to go out to the – you're going to the game or you're going out to Ballpark Village where we'll be at? No, I go to my grandpa's every day to watch with him. Oh, I've very been cool. Years. I like nice. that. I love that That's tradition. Awesome. Good stuff. 
All right, Josh, you have your uh, your opportunity now to take on Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, or myself in the gauntlet. Who would you like to face? I'm going to take Marsh. Okay, ah! Marsh back in. All right, Marsh. All right. Yeah, it's been it's been the Jamie show lately. Jamie's up this game. I, I would have done Jamie, but I lost to him 4-3 to three yesterday, so I, I give him the day off. Okay, there you go. You're playing in your car? Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. what? Is this no, 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 actually no, I, just tripped me I, up too I, I for a second. I knew what you meant, Josh. I, I got you. Yeah. All right, so Marsh is going to make his way to the cone of silence, but before he does that, you got to tell him to spin the wheel, Josh. Spin the wheel. All right, Josh, which category are you hoping for today? I'm hoping for random or football. Okay, random or football. Oh, you're going to get your You're going to get your wish on one of them. Back-to-back random. How do you feel about that? I'm fine with it. Okay, so let me open up the envelope here. Jamie's got the launch codes for us. Just a reminder, Josh and Marsh are going to get the same four questions today. Each question is worth two points, unless Josh or Marsh need the options, and then those questions are worth one point. You ready, Josh? Yep. Question one. Who was Muhammad Ali's opponent in the Rumble in the Jungle? Hand down, Jamie. Sorry. Uh, Sonny Liston. Final answer? Yep. All right, Josh, question number two. In golf, what do you call a score of four under par on any given hole? I'll do the options. Is it an eagle, a condor, or a vulture? Condor, final answer. Question number three, Josh. Before the Nationals moved to Philadelphia and changed their name to the 76ers, what city did the team play in? So before the Nationals moved to Philadelphia and changed their name to the 76ers, what city did the team play in? Mm. I'll take uh, the options. Buffalo, Syracuse, Baltimore. Baltimore, final answer. All right, Josh, we are at the end of it here with question four. Through five matches in the MLS, St. Louis City SC leads the league with 15 goals. Which team is second in the league with 12? Oh, my. Mike would know. Uh, I'll do the options. All right. Is it uh, LAFC, Atlanta, or Columbus? I'll take Atlanta. Final answer. <laughs> did you say? Did you say Mike would know? Like Michael, the the Mike yeah. Chopolis? That's great. <laughs> and Josh, I gotta be honest. It took me a second. I'm like Mike. Who? Mike Ryder? Who is he no, talking about? No, Mike would. Mike would for sure know. He'd be able to give great analysis on it. <laughs> Very true. I <laughs> like the callback here too, Josh. Well done. What was his final answer? Uh, you said uh, Atlanta. There right. you go. You said Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. Here. All right. He caught me off guard too. That's great, Josh. How you feeling today? Um, I thought. I think I got two. Okay. Hopefully it's enough for a tie. Right. Marsh is back. He's ready to go. Tell him, Jamie. Oh, Marsh, you better pack a lunch. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Marsh, your category today is random. Oh, wow. Okay. Random trivia. Back-to-back days. You ready? I'm ready. Who was Muhammad Ali's opponent in the Rumble in the Jungle? Hmm. I'm going to need the options. Sonny Liston, Joe Frazier, George Foreman. I had Foreman. 
on my mind. So I'm going to go with George Foreman. Final answer? Mm-hmm. I had a Foreman grill in college, actually. Who didn't? <laughs> That's a good point, Anthony. Who didn't? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. All right, question two. Those things are awesome. They yeah, are. They, they really are. that stupid little plastic thing that yeah. clean them off. Nobody well, did that. I used to clean it off too quickly, and I melted Melt that it. thing all the time. <laughs> what a donkey. <laughs> all right, question two. In golf, what do you call a score of four under par on any given hole? I believe it's uh, four under par on any given hole. That's correct. I believe it's an albatross, right? My, oh, we're asking you. I feel like the question's weird. Uh, let's go with... Uh, let's go with uh, albatross. Final answer. All right, Marsh, question number three. Before the Nationals moved to Philadelphia and changed their name to the 76ers, what city did the team play in? Can you repeat that? I wasn't paying attention. Before the Nationals moved to Philadelphia and changed their name to the 76ers, what city did the team play in? Before the... seven, So basically, where did the 76ers play before they went to Philly? Sure. I mean, yes, essentially. Well, they wouldn't have been the 76ers. They would have been... Well, they would have been the Nationals. They were called the Nationals. The yes. Nationals, gotcha. Yes, before the Nationals so let's try it again. moved to I, Philadelphia. Well, I didn't know, know there's an NBA team called the Nationals. I'm well, thinking baseball here. Marsh, I'm going to give you the question one more time, but just Please. because Jamie and I like you. Okay. Before the Nationals moved to Philadelphia and changed their name to the 76ers, okay. what city did the team play in? All right. Um... The Nationals. I don't know. Washington. Let's use the <laughs> let's use the options. Buffalo, Syracuse, or Baltimore. Um. All right. The Buffalo Nationals. I don't think that sounds good. We're the doing Syracuse this. Nationals. Why would that city have an NBA team? The Baltimore Nationals. Very close to. Our nation's capital. Let's go with the Baltimore Nationals. Probably was a rival of the Washington Bullets. So, Baltimore it is. <laughs> Final answer. That was a unique breakdown. That's unbelievable, Thanks. actually. Okay. Marshy, that was entertaining. Thank you. All right, question four. Final question of the day. Mm-hmm. Through five matches in the MLS, St. Louis City SC leads the league. Of course they do. With 15 goals. Which team is second with 12? Oh, jeez. All right, so let's see here. The only remaining defeated, undefeated teams, and they have a few draws. We have LAFC, which I saw on Twitter. Some people were chirping the other day, saying they're going to humble us in May. Oh, I thought boy. that was funny because it's not going to happen. Uh, Seattle Sounders are up there, too. I'm going to go. No, I need the options. I need oh. to be safe. <laughs> oh. Actually, you know what? I don't want the options. Can I do that? I didn't ask for him yet. We didn't say final yeah, answer. Say final answer. Let's exactly. go with LAFC final answer. All right. All right. Here we go. Question number one between Josh and Marsh. 
Random trivia today. Who was Muhammad Ali's opponent in the Rumble in the Jungle? Marsh, you, cho- you took the options. You went George Foreman because you used to own a George Foreman grill. Mm-hmm. Josh, you did not take the options. You went with Sonny Liston. Oh, wow. Correct answer is... Oh, it's the old George Foreman grill right there, baby. That grill paid oh. off for you on that one, Marsh. Side, one nothing lead. Side note to this is uh, this weekend I was going through some stuff from my old house, uh, packing things up and, you know, whatever, and I with this picture frame was all bundled up, opened it up, and I had forgotten that a long time ago I had a picture. I was at a charity event in New York when I played with the Islanders, Anthony. <laughs> And I had it signed by Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. It's Very a cool. picture of their fight. Nice. Then you had the it's Rumble available in the... now on eBay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time to mention this. There was a Rumble in the Jungle too, wasn't there? I think they did it twice. No, didn't not they? No. Rumble in the Jungle. No, they did not do it twice. What the hell's wrong with you? Was the Rock a part of that? He seems to be a yeah, part it's, of it's a bunch a total of sequel Jungle. Guy. Uh... Jungle Book Two, Anthony. Yeah, it's not the same. Every time he's in a movie, he's in like the Jungle. The Rock. You know what I'm talking about? It's a big guy. Yeah. Question number two, March with a 1-0 lead. In golf, what do you call a score of four under par on any given hole? Josh, you took the options. You went condor. Marsh, you came up with albatross all by yourself. Correct answer is? It's a condor. It's a condor. 1-1 one, one tie. I've never heard of that before. I... Albatross is three. Hmm, you're right. Sorry, I only hit hole-in-ones. I don't know. Well, that's true. So we got a 1-1 one, one tie between <laughs> Josh and Marsh. shot, huh? You've heard this, this is, question. There's a funny story behind that. I'll tell you later. Can't wait. You've heard this question a couple of times now. Yeah, Before yeah. the Nationals moved to Philadelphia and changed their name to the 76ers, what city did the team play in? If you listen to Marsh, you took the options, went through all of them, read out Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo Nationals, the Syracuse Nationals. <laughs> then he gets to Baltimore, the Baltimore Nationals, and uh, they could be rivals, the Washington Bullets. Baltimore, final answer. Josh, you took the options. You just went with Baltimore. <laughs> Correct answer is... Baltimore is a great answer, but it was Syracuse. Syracuse Nationals. So we have a 1-1 tie. Through five matches in the MLS, St. Louis City leads the league with 15 goals. Which team is second in the league with 12? Josh, you went Atlanta after hearing the options. Marsh wanted the options, then said, nope, I'm just going for it. And you went with LAFC. Which was an option. If it's LAFC, Marsh wins today because he did not choose the options. If it's Atlanta, Josh wins today by one. If it's Columbus, which is the other option that was available, we have a walk-off. Jamie, through five matches in the MLS, St. Louis City, SC, leads the league with 15 goals. Which team is second in the league with 12? Atlanta. Josh. You have chosen (laughs) wisely. Congratulations, Josh. It is Atlanta. Columbus with 11. LAFC with 9. Marsh, you went for it. Hey. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you come up empty. You know what? They're they're talking a bunch of crap on on the internet, and you were angry. You had I them was. in your head. He's so mad. They said they're so going to humble us. I know. I heard them. Whatever. I heard you say it. All right, Josh. Congratulations. You're going to be back with uh, either Jamie or myself tomorrow in the gauntlet. Great. Thank you. Congrats, man. Nice Good job. job, Josh. Bye, guys. All right. There you have it. Interesting breakdown, nonetheless, Marsh. Hey, you know what? I try and 
get to an answer and in a very unorthodox way, and usually it's wrong. But, hey, you know, we try. Shoot or shoot. The most important thing we learned from spring training. What was it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Most important thing that we learned from spring training. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter. What would be yours, Jamie? Most important thing that we learned when it came to spring training. Well, there are a lot of things that we learned, but I think the most most important important thing thing. that we learned, Anthony, since you're going to isolate only one thing on my Cardinals team that had several, um, is that this offense could potentially be the best in baseball this year. Best in baseball. I stand by it. Good God. I stand by it, Anthony. Why do you doubt our card? The season hasn't even started yet, and you're doing this crap. I mean, there's a lot of good offenses, Jamie. There are Astros, Yankees. Yesterday, you say Nolan or not Nolan. Nolan Arenado might. He's going to dance. Goldie won't be as good. Okay, Anthony, take your Padres and never mind. I'd like to keep my job. But Seattle, they're like. But if you look at the Cardinals roster top to bottom, I'm just ignoring you. Toronto. Right I'm ignoring you. You BT, can talk to me. BT was even on here earlier saying that Jordan Walker, yeah, he's batting eighth right now. And I'm going to power through this. And if he starts to heat up and you start uh, batting him at second, and let's say you have a Brendan Donovan or a Lars Newtbar leading you off, you got Walker, then Goldie, then Arenado, then Contreras. Then O'Neill, like it just keeps going and going to where pitchers aren't going to get that, that 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 opportunity to kind of relax and take their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Like it could be an it could be a big number right away in the first inning if you're not careful. Yeah. So that to me is the one thing that I learned is that we talked about offense, offense, offense all off season. Should have got another bat. Should have got this. Should have got that. I don't. If everybody performs to where they should, or even just slightly underneath that, this team could still be powerful offensively. Yeah, I think that's that, that's the thing that I think we learned that that last part where you say, okay, well, they didn't they didn't go out and address a lot of needs. They didn't go out and make a bunch of signings. They they only did one thing. They they signed Wilson Contreras. They answered the biggest question, which was who's going to replace Yadier Molina. They answered that, I think, with perhaps the best option they could. Second best would have been Sean Murphy, but again, you would have had to give up assets for that, uh, for for Sean Murphy, mm-hmm. which would have been fine. But to get in, to get Wilson Contreras, somebody that's incredibly competitive, just like Yachty, Yachty was for all those years, those decades, and somebody that appreciates Yachty or Molina, appreciates what the Cardinals do. A lot of the players, even John Mosellock said, yeah, I hated the guy. Which I think will endear him he to St. Louis who? Cardinals fans. Wilson Contreras. Oh, I thought you were still talking about Yachty. No, not Yachty. Like, is, there some, is there a beef I don't know about? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, Mo was like, yeah, I hated, I hated when the, the Cardinals had to play against him. You answer the biggest question, but the, mo- the, the most important thing that we learned is that the Cardinals, knock on wood, should be just fine with the youth movement that they have here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the benefits of the homegrown team that they, they largely have, but... You learn that Jordan Walker made the club. You learn that Nolan Gorman can take that next step. You learn that Tyler O'Neill could put together a great spring training and jump right back into the conversation about, you know, 
being in maybe not the middle of this lineup, but somebody that could do some damage. With this lineup rolling, you don't need him there. Right. Which is great too. Yeah, the the length of the lineup should be should be great. Tell about that. I don't agree with this one though, Jamie. MLB.com did the same exercise. One important thing we learned from each team this spring. They chose this for the Cardinals. Oh boy. They might not need a true ace. What the Cardinals might lack in terms of a true ace, they make up for it with depth and five quality starters along with the injured Adam Wainwright. The linchpin of the season might be the 27-year-old Jack Flaherty, a two-time opening day starter who is healthy as he has been since the start of 2021 when he opened 8-1 eight to eight and one before injuries hit again. Flaherty can be, the free eight, can be a free agent after the end of the season, and he has plenty of motivation to try and turn back the clock to 2019 when he looked like the most dominant young pitcher in the game. Jordan Montgomery, an acquisition from the Yankees last August, is also pitching for his next contract, and he would prefer to make St. Louis his home for years to come. Steven Matz, the only starting pitcher under contract beyond this season, this must have been written, uh, before Miles Michael signed the contract Seriously. extension, wants to atone for an, for an injury plague 2022 <laughs> and the kind of electric stuff that to be the much needed 15 game winner for the Redbirds. And this was written by John Denton, who I, I truly respect. Uh, John Denton, what's his work at MLB.com and his coverage for the Cardinals? They might not need a true race. I agree with that in the regular season, and I've said as much. This this pitching staff will not get destroyed. This will not be a bottom half of the league pitching staff. I don't think they're top 10, but I think they're somewhere in the top 15. And that's going to be just fine for the regular season. When it comes to the postseason, and you get out of the first round, and God willing, the Cardinals will get out of the first round this year, Jamie. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a, a, a stud. From the 6-1-8, Anthony, Flaherty isn't a number one like Mosellock and DeWitt shoved down the fan's throat. That's what I learned. I think the I think Card I think the Cardinals fan I think Cardinals he wakes fans up and chooses violence every day. I think Cardinals fans are well aware that Jack Flaherty is not an ace. I don't think the the, the fact that John Mozalock, not that he's ever said Flaher, Flaherty's an ace or anything like well, he, that. For negotiation purposes alone, he's never said no. that. <laughs> but even if the six one hate, you know, is right that that Mo crammed it down Cardinals fans' throat, they wouldn't buy it. Cardinals fans are smart enough to know that they, they don't have an ace. I don't think it matters in the regular season. It will matter in the postseason. So all you know, due respect to John Denton, I don't think that the most important thing they learned this spring is that they might not need a true ace. I think they've got guys that are going to be just fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, barring injury, though, I think we're already seeing some stress put on this rotation with the injury of Adam Wayne, right? And maybe there would have been stress anyways because Wayne oh, you know, his velocity's down and all that stuff. I don't know. But if you have an injury to Wayne and then you get one other injury, where are you? That's where I start to get worried. Is, Absolutely. You know, and that, that could be any team. I understand that. But some of these teams that have an ace, like you're almost guaranteed that win. Like, okay, we, we got Scherzer up tomorrow. We're going to be fine. We can get us through tomorrow. He can pitch seven or eight. We know he can. And we'll be able to regroup from here. Whereas I don't know if the Cardinals have that ability. No, I agree. You know, like I, I don't think the depth is there. No, it's the not. Cardinals. You're 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 not looking at a Matthew Libertor or just kind of advancing one of these young guys. Dakota Hudson. Yeah, Jake Dakota Wilford. Hudson coming off a rough spring. Like, so th- that's where I, 
that's where I end up with it is right now, currently, even currently, I wish Wayne wasn't injured, but currently you're okay. Mm-hmm. But what if? Every year it happens, somebody has tightness in their arm, their shoulder, the oblique, the the groin, the hamstring. Something always happens, and then you're sitting there going, hmm, what now? Right. I know every team deals with it, but some of them have the high-end starters, too, where you takes a little bit of pressure off. Totally. All right, that's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. We're going to play a new game, the Magic 8-Ball. And actually, a listener, listener came up, the Magic 8-Ball. Oh, okay. Listener came up with this one. We'll explain it next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. According to the Magic 8-Ball. So everybody remembers the Magic 8 ball that you had. Uh, it, you know, everybody seemed to have one where at you parties. shake it up. Yeah, you shake it up, look at it. It could be at parties, Jamie. It could just be, uh, I don't know, part of the t- the kids' toys. Yeah, well, at parties. You... The 8 ball. Uh-huh. Shake yeah. it up. Yeah, it's a Magic 8 ball. Yeah, you ask it Predict questions. your future. You ask it questions, and that answers them. Absolutely. You never do that at parties? Yeah. It doesn't have to be at parties. Yeah, but it really makes the party better. True. All right, Marsh, explain what we're going to do here. Yeah, uh, so actually we, we did get a, uh, a text a little bit ago uh, from a listener who was like, hey, we should play this Magic 8-Ball game. I think it'd be fun. I go, I agree. Let's do it. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> Anthony. what we're going to do is we have a question. We're going to ask it to you guys, and we're going to shake the Magic 8-Ball. It's going to give us an answer. However, if it's not an answer that uh, we particularly agree with, it doesn't matter. You have to... Tell us, no so matter what, we are basically read and react tied to whatever the the thought is. We Absolutely. have to have our own we opinion. To, we have to argue it. about it. We don't have to argue. We could agree. Argue for it. Oh, are you guys ready? Ready. All right. The question is: Can Jordan Walker replicate the production of Michael Harris from last season? Anthony, you're up first. You get. Yes, definitely. Well, we're talking about one of the top prospects in the game right now in Jordan Walker. Michael Harris, for as good as he was, we're not talking, he wasn't the, the number one prospect in Major League Baseball. And while he had a good spring training, nobody had the spring training that Jordan Walker had over the last two years. Somebody that is going to hit, as we think, Jamie, in a very productive Cardinals lineup, just like Harris was able to do in that lineup for Atlanta. Jordan Walker's got potentially more pop in his game more home home, uh more more power i think that jordan walker when it's all said and done will not only match what michael harris did but he'll he'll succeed it all right good job jamie you're getting the same question can jordan walker replicate the production of michael harris from last season let's ask the magic eight ball Concentrate and ask again. Okay, we'll do it again. Of course it happened to me. Magic 8-Ball. <laughs> Signs point to yes. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony just talking about one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Heck, we had Brad Thompson on here earlier, moving him from the 8 spot up to the 2 spot right there in the 2 hole. That's where he does his best work, Anthony, right in front of Goldie, Arenado, Contreras. It goes on and on and on. Jordan Walker has the not only the ability to be rookie of the year in the National League, 
Is he believed to be the MVP of the National League? This Magic 8-Ball is kind of a homer. It kind of is. All right, let's go to the next question. Jamie, we'll start with you. Will Lamar Jackson play up to what he wants to be paid? Magic 8-Ball, what do you say? Ooh, very doubtful. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, have you seen this guy's injuries? He can't get through a full season. And, you know, we always blame the offensive coordinator for Lamar, Lamar's downfalls. What about if, what if it's just Lamar who can't operate within a system? He's a talented guy, there's no doubt. But that schoolyard football, maybe that's all he can play. Maybe he doesn't understand the playbook. Maybe he doesn't read it. Maybe he's Kyler Murray, and you got to have him f- study the playbook. Yeah, at this one is point. all egregious. It's not at all, Anthony. It's my eight ball. You leave it alone, okay? But Lamar Jackson absolutely could have problems. He's not going to be worth it. Think of the think of the number. Deshaun Watson. Right away when you say his name, you're like, ah, he ain't worth it. I don't think Lamar's going to be worth the money he's looking for. Okay. What? Oh, I was, re- I was ready for Marsh to... Well, I was too. I was like, did I miss the no. something here? Marsh was just slow on the draw. All right, Anthony, what does the Magic 8-Ball want you to think? Cannot predict now. Yeah, you can't predict now because you don't know what team he's going to be on. Is he a Raven? Is he a Colt? Is he a Falcon? Is he a Titan? Is he a Jet? You have no idea because he's probably not going to play next year. He don't want to play for the Ravens. He asked for the trade in on March 2nd. Ravens didn't oblige because they still want him to be the quarterback. And there's no reason for them to move him when you've got the non-exclusive tag on him and other teams aren't even negotiating with him. They don't even have his number. He's not an agent. So, of course, you can't predict it right now. You don't know if he's going to be in the league next year. Maybe two years from now we can have this discussion, but you can't make this prediction right now. Anthony, would Ryan O'Reilly fit on this new version of the Blues? Don't count on it. Yeah, don't count on it because, unfortunately, we're, we're seeing kind of the downfall of uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Not the same player he was a couple of years ago. Injury prone this year. Gets to Toronto. Scores a goal right away. And then what happens? Unfortunately, suffers another injury. The Blues, what? fast team, doesn't fit Ryan O'Reilly's uh, game. The Blues don't play defense, and that is his best attribute. What? He plays Ryan O'Reilly's, uh, you know, defensively is outstanding one of the best defensive centers in the, in the league 200 foot player blue's not looking for that now they're looking for speed scoring ability and guys that don't necessarily play defense oh my goodness jamie oh my goodness signs point to yes that yeah. worked that worked out you're gonna get based on what anthony said uh <laughs> yeah he's had some injuries which means you're gonna get him at a really good price Ryan O'Reilly knows that he's not going to get top market value. It's been a tough year for him right now, but he's going to come back here. He loved it here in St. Louis. He misses everybody here in St. Louis, and he's going to be a part of the solution moving forward. That's why they haven't given the C to anybody else since he's been gone yet, because they left it right there on the old number 90 jersey that they tucked away in storage for next year. Ryan O'Reilly will absolutely be back and be part of the solution of this group moving forward. Who else do you want your young guys to learn from? Who else is going to teach Kasperi Kapanen how to play defense or Jacob Verona how to get back to his own end from time to time, right? <laughs> Who else is going to do that stuff? Anthony? Braden Chen? Absolutely, Ryan O'Reilly's the guy. Jamie, will this year's Final Four be more entertaining than the past college football playoff? 
try again. <laughs> Most likely. Yeah, it will. Because they don't have TCU in there. It's just going to get the, the piss pounded out of them Whoa. by George. <laughs> they got... They don't even have a number one left in this thing here, right? So this is where... There's no Georgia. No, there's no Georgia. (laughs) Not even close to that matter. This is why it's going to be more exciting. There's margin for error. The best thing about college basketball is the fact that they're not pros, that they make mistakes. When you get a team that's number one, they make less mistakes. I don't like that. I like a lot of action in my college game. This is absolutely going to be better than the football championship. Anthony, concentrate and ask again. All right. That's... Very doubtful. Yeah, I'm with Jamie on this one. I mean, if you look at the way that TCU got absolutely uh, taken behind on top of and under the woodshed by Georgia, you're not going to have that. UConn, yeah, UConn, they buried them. Georgia buried TCU. (laughs) UConn, I, I think, is the best team left. I think odds makers feel the same way. When it comes to, you know, the one true favorite, you still have that. But are you going to doubt uh, a Miami team that has passed every challenge up to date? FAU, everybody's doubted them from from game one, and all they've done is is win, and it's been a different guy each and every round for FAU. So I think when you're looking at this Final Four, a lot of unpredictability. We know we, we had a real good sense. In fact, we called it, guys. We called it Georgia was going to roll past yeah, TCU. Did. A lot of people gave us crap that for that. That was a bold prediction, too. Well, look, but if you remember, in all seriousness, <laughs> a lot of people were giving us crap for that. Not me. I said TCU doesn't remember. You're you, like, why do you hate the horny frogs? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. I just, they suck. And then when it got to Georgia, I was like, I'm with you, Jamie. <laughs> now that the Bulldogs are ready. All right. That was fun. A little magic eight ball there. Yeah. Worked out well. <laughs> now it's a party. Sports Six Pack is next. 314-399-9646. The Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, if you have a question for us, leave it there. Sports Six Pack next in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. Time for the Sports Six back here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. If you got a question, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You can have your uh, question read off by Andrew Marsh. Just like this. Question number one. From the 314, do you guys think the Blues use more of their first-rounders on trades or actual picks this year? Um, so they got three first-rounders in this year's draft. I think they use one for drafting and two for trade purposes. I'm with Jamie. Good call. Question number two. From the 661, does Tommy Edmond or Mason Wynn get dealt for pitching help at the deadline? No. If you're Mr. Bowtie Seltzer Slammer. No, I think that's your One, short. Hang on, stop. Mr. Bowtie is not a seltzer slammer. Yeah, We've had him on this show and currently still in negotiations with Mr. Mosellock on our uh, mo-fashioned cocktail line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo likes his bourbon. Yep, he likes his bourbon. He likes the old fashioned. He, uh, I think, he keeps the the simple syrup out of it, or one of those. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like it too sweet. I don't blame him at all. So he's not a seltzer slammer. Anthony, as you were, do you remember what he was grilling? 
So Jamie, so for, the, for those who don't know, dinosaur meat, rat, nice rat. Shark steaks. Yeah. When Jamie and I were doing uh, Stalter and Rivers before it turned into Stalter for about four months. No, this uh, was after. Oh, this that's right. This, this was is after. This, this was, was after the I pandemic. Came back that's right. Witness protection. This is the pandemic. So when the pandemic started, and we were still having guests on. Jamie and I thought it'd be fun, with no sports going on, to ask each guest what what they grill and what sort of drink they're having while they grill. Mm-hmm. Now I can't remember what Mo. Maybe maybe some steak. kind of sort of fish or something. No, it was a steak. Was it? It's it was surprising to us a little bit because I thought it was like uh, he'd be a martini guy yeah. or. Um, red wine and he came firing out he's like nah he's like i guess an old-fashioned but it's not you know it's it's my version of it and that's when i said hey mo we need to go in business we'll call it the mo fashioned mm-hmm. he loved it he hated it, he hated it. yeah then nobody I likes the, our ideas instead of a mai tai I said then we could have their second products a mo tai yeah bow tie mo tai yeah that's two of our drinks right there we're, we're off and running mm-hmm. he's yet to sign the paperwork but i'm confident <laughs> Any day now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think that Mason Wynn or Tommy Edmond are dealt for pitching at the deadline. I think that Tommy Edmond's going to be your second baseman next year and Mason Wynn's going to be your starting shortstop. They're your two guys up the middle. What about Brandon Donovan? He'll play. Yep. Play wherever you put him. Exactly. Question number three. We got a text from the 618 that's funny saying to submit your questions when chances are you will only get through three in the segment. This is the third question. Hey, screw you. This person asked a question back in early March. Have you heard of the Jets of Jets Detroit style pizza? So good. Eight corner with turbo crust. I have. Yes. So Detroit style. For those that don't know, it's Little Caesars. It's it's the square. It is. Square. Yeah, it's square, it's square. It's square pizza. Beyond compare. Have you ever had Little Caesars pizza? No, Anthony, I've the, never had it. I only lived there for three years. Well, you're looking at me like you've never had it before. I'm just messing with you. Come on, oh, man. God, just get it out. It's that, that pan. It's that pan style pizza. Mm-hmm. It is. It's good. It's great. Why are you, you had, angry? Have you had Jets pizza? No, hmm. not yet. Now the other pizza. You bring us some, maybe. The other pizza that's in Detroit. It's not great. Have you had Hungry Howie's? I have. So Hungry Howie's, I shouldn't say anything. There's no Hungry Howie's here, is there? I don't think so. All right, never mind. Let me look. Actually, I don't have anything negative to say about it. Hungry Howie's was a place that every now and then, like after games, you don't feel like going to sit at the restaurant for another couple of hours and whatnot. You're tired, you're beat up. Mm-hmm. You just go home and order some food. Well, Hungry Howie's was one of the only places that delivered at like 11 o'clock at night. I know why. <laughs> Flavored crust. I mm. don't. Can you explain it? It. Uh, it's, yeah. Okay. It, it, mm. Question number four. That's From the six one eight. I just put in our area code. Nothing's coming up, okay. so I think we're safe. <sighs> like, not get, great. Not don't need great. To get in trouble. Yeah. First time I had it. I mean, you know, my roommate was from Detroit, and he's like, "Hey, we're. I got pizza for us." I'm like, "All right, cool." Man, not. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Anyways, mm. go ahead. The 618 wants to know, now with weapons, can Justin Fields make the same jump that Jalen Hurts did? Ooh, Anthony. I think talent-wise, yes. Um, Jalen Hurts. So here's what we don't know about Justin Fields that we found out about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is somebody that is an incredible uh he's got an incredible work ethic 
somebody that developed quicker reads within within that system. Mm-hmm. Can 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 Justin Fields do the same thing athletically? No question. Is he somebody that has the right OC and the right offense in place to match him? I, I don't know about that. And does he have that same work ethic? Don't know. Athletically, yes. What we don't know is if they're going to develop a similar system. I think skill-wise alone, just based upon talent, I think he has every opportunity to equal Jalen Hurts. Now, can he get to that level through reading the plays, reading a defense, audibles at the line of scrimmage, pre-snap, post-snap, identifying? That I don't know. Is all the physical abilities of Jalen Hurts. Heck, he might be better athletically in certain areas than Jalen Hurts. But can he go beyond that as a quarterback? Because we all know that there's a step beyond that. You look at some of the greats who had very little athletic ability. Let's just be honest. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, those guys were not going to wow you with athletic ability, but they were absolute scientists when it came to reading a defense, pre-snap, post-snap, all that stuff. The best ever. Yeah. So we'll see. They were. They're, I mean, when it comes to breaking down information and doing it at rapid, rapid speed, I don't know if anybody was better post-snap than Tom Brady. I don't know if anybody's been better pre-snap than Peyton Manning. I think somebody that's going to be in that conversation post-snap is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has the ability to diagnose plays and for it, you know the, what, what the defense is trying to do to him it, it, at rapid speed. And I think that is one of the hardest things to evaluate when it comes to quarterbacks. I think Bryce Young is incredibly talented in that regard i think he uh foot, footwork wise again ability to break down a play i think he's he's the best in this year's draft and if he was six two and or six three as opposed to six foot or five eleven i think he'd be the number one overall pick and it would there, there would be no conversation about it yeah but because he's he's a little bit shorter people kind of you know they're going to knock him but the 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 ability the football iq off the charts with bryce young by the way uh, there could be a reason why Jamie was staring at you funny. And the 573 points it out. Little Caesars isn't square, bro. You're talking about CC's Stalter. Little Caesars. They do have square pizza. Little I was Caesars just there. is square. Yeah, they do have square pizza. I was literally just in Detroit. Yeah. And uh, by the way, the, the, the meal that they have out there for the press slash broadcasters, usually it's, I mean, anywhere else it's mid- Okay, in Detroit, it was like unbelievable. Yeah, they had everything. They had like a steak, a fish, a chicken, and then at the end of it all, then they've got the Little Caesars pizza. Nice, and the big old square boy down there. So yes, awesome. Anthony, you're correct. The the Detroit style pizza is square, like thicker crust yeah. pan pizza mm-hmm. square. I appreciate the text line though; they're awesome. They're just trying to keep you accountable. Well, they just I appreciate you know, that. They're mm-hmm. trying to call Anthony out, and I'm always here for that. Absolutely. Me too, in fact. Mm-hmm. Question number five. From the 636, could you guys see Jordan Bennington losing his starting role to Joel Hofer next year, not due to injury? Thanks, Rory. No, not next year. Maybe the year after. I mean, but Joel Hofer has a lot of work to do. Let's not go getting crazy here he's played uh, what four games and one of the games you know didn't go great for him so uh, i think he has a tremendous amount of talent and the future looks really promising i love the way he plays he's got great rebound control he's got a great glove hand moves the puck exceptionally well so i'm here for it 
but it's not going to be next year. Jordan Bennington uh, is still your number one goalie. In fact, I think Joel Hofer will make Jordan Bennington better uh, from the standpoint of being able to give him a break, being able to push him. Jordan Bennington, you know, he's a competitive dude, and if there's another guy that's sitting there nipping at his heels, I think that he's going to want to get back in there and play really well. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate all the questions to the Air Comfort Service tax line for our Sports Six Pack. The benefits of homegrown talent. The Cardinals on opening day could have anywhere between five or six homegrown starters out of the nine. What are the benefits of that? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Five, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. The benefits of homegrown talent. The Cardinals are about to find out because when it comes to opening day, you got nine roster, you have nine starters. Obviously, you don't have the uh, you have the universal DH now, but out of the nine starters, Jamie, five of them are homegrown players. If Dylan Carlson winds up starting game one, you potentially could have six homegrown players. But the five that we feel pretty good about, you've got Tommy Edmond, Brandon Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, and who else? Who am I missing? Lars Newpar. You have five. Tyler O'Neill was acquired in a trade. Nolan Arenado, trade. Paul Goldschmidt, trade. Willis Contreras was a free agent signing. But you have five potential homegrown players, mm-hmm. guys that came up through the organization, various levels of of you know wh- whether they're a top prospect a mid prospect like jordan walker one of the top top os- prospects in all of baseball gorman at one point one of the cardinals top prospects then you've got guys like edmund and donovan later picks but you know guys that came up and developed it throughout the organization that means you have five cost control players for the foreseeable future that are already starting for you theoretically i'm not saying that the cardinals will do this but theoretically, Jamie, that opens up possibilities with your with your spending in, in upcoming years. Or it creates an opportunity for you to make some different trades because you're not hamstrung with having nine guys, free agents, and now you're playing all the contracts. It's huge. So when I look at this, it's actually very impressive from the Cardinals scouting staff and their development side of things. Because you talk about Tommy Edmond, Brendan Donovan, you go, you know, later picks. Hey, guess what? That's even more impressive. Yeah, right. That's more impressive. That just shows that it doesn't have to be that blue chip, can't miss prospect that you drafted. Not that anybody can draft those guys, but guess what, Anthony? Anybody can see talent on those guys. It's finding guys in the mid to lower rounds to where you draft them. You're not quite sure, but then you develop them, and then they become major league players. That's the biggest success story. Mm-hmm. Jordan Walker being an MVP, that's a success story, but it's kind of like one that you're like, no, nah, I could see that. Brendan Donovan being an everyday major league baseball player, 
I didn't see that one coming. Tommy Edmond now being a gold glover at second and the starting shortstop, I didn't see that one coming either. So to start with that, that's where I get impressed with the scouting staff of finding those, you know, uh, the diamond in the rough type thing. And you, de- you develop them, and they end up on your major league roster, which is great. Then fast forward a little bit. The pitching prospects that you have now uh, are are good. You've got some really good young talent to where everybody thought at one point the Cardinals were sacrificing pitching for now positional players, which they kind of had done for a little bit. But now I feel like they're doing both. And you've got a guy like Mason Wynn who probably starting on, I don't know, 80% of the teams or 70% of the teams in baseball, except for the best teams. Here in St. Louis, because they're so deep in the infield, he's going to start in Memphis. But he had a spring training worthy of being on the opening day roster. So I think a couple of things in this one is the drafting's great, the developing is important, and then the fact that you have these guys. What does it say about your scouting staff moving forward? So for me, it's like reassuring that Mm -hmm. the Cardinals now can continue to use this formula. And to your point, if they want to go get that that big name starting pitcher, top end of the rotation or whatever it is, maybe you look at it and go, okay, I'm willing to trade player X, Y, or Z who's a top prospect or a great young player because I know we're going to be able to restock the cupboards. Yeah, this is where you want to be. You want to be where the Dodgers are. This is ideally are. exactly where you want to be. Yeah, and, and when I'm saying the Dodgers, I don't necessarily mean only this year. I mean where the Dodgers have been over the last decade now. Yes, they're a bigger market team that can spend and they they can make mistakes in free agency and not have it come back to to haunt them. But they're also a team that can deal from the from their farm system and still not worry about the farm system crashing. Most teams can't operate that way. If you're a Seattle Mariners team and you go out and get Luis Castillo at the deadline last year, Luis Castillo, you better hit on that trade. Because you're you're dealing from a farm system that yes you developed over time, but one that is going to be fractured a lot because you went out and made that big trade. The Cardinals you wanted you want them to be in a spot where they make a deal and you're like wow they still didn't give up well it hurt a little bit but you still get you still didn't give up X Y and Z. And if you're wondering about the pitching, fair question. Okay, we got all these positional players. What about the pitching? They had to make the philosophical change when it came to their position players. They were not developing the Paul Goldschmidt's and the Nolan Arenados or the Jordan Walkers for, for a, a stretch because they're were, they were focused on pitchers, guys like Michael Walker who can make, you know, an immediate impact relative to baseball, right? It's not football. You're not it's – more, it's more hockey than it, than it is football. Football, you know you're going to have a rookie starting for you, likely. But when it comes to pitching and, and or when it comes to Cardinals uh, baseball or Blues hockey, you're talking about teams that it takes a while for those those draft picks to, to come up and contribute at your your major league or your, or your NHL level. When it comes to the pitching, they started to pivot back to the pitching, and that's when you have Tink Hens now. Tink Hens and Gordon Graceffo, you've got some young pitchers that are coming up. They're not ready right now. They might not be ready a year from now. But eventually that pitching will catch up, too. The job that Randy Flores has done as the Cardinals' director of scouting has been nothing shy of remarkable. BT had brought this up with us when he joined us in the first hour. His his first draft, or not his first draft, sorry, the, the one draft that he got. 2020? Yeah, Jordan Walker. He got Mason Wynn. 
He got Alec Burleson, and he got Tink Hens. The Cardinals, like core, may be set up for five, six, seven years, if not longer, because of that one draft. And you just ra- you rarely see that. Mm-hmm. And people like to remind us, hey, the Cardinals are usually picking in somewhere in the twenties. The Dodgers pick somewhere in the twenties, but they're still able to get those studs to replenish the farm system each and every year. So your point, Jamie, about the the what does it say about your scouting department? It says that you should be in in a good spot to always be replenishing your farm system, whether Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn come up or you have to trade guys for for what you need at the deadline. Don't lose Randy Flores. No. Nope. That was for you, Mo. You've been warned. Yeah. You have you have twenty four hours, Taking Mo. This- Business partnership elsewhere. That's right. Which player is the most approved in this last stretch of games for the Blues? We'll get into that. Don't forget, we also have the biggest question of the day coming up. So if you want to leave us a mic drop via the 101 ESPN app, our biggest question segment coming up in 15 minutes. But, again, which player has the most approved in this last stretch of games for the Blues? That's next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers of Anthony Stalter. Which player is the most approved this in this last stretch of games? And for me, guys, it's Verona. It's somebody that has certainly turned heads, but you know, in a way that I think a lot of people expected he would. If you know, if he comes in and he has an opportunity like he didn't have in Detroit to kind of showcase his his skill and. Uh, you know, I th- Dan- Darren Peng was on the opening drive today, and he was talking about how Veron isn't necessarily the fastest skater, but he is somebody that does play fast when he gets the the puck on his stick. I think from a skill standpoint, we we kind of knew that was there, but the thing that he has to show is that he can he can be a fit on this team, Jamie, and on this team, Craig Berube is not going to sit around and and say, yeah, you could show all the skill you want, don't worry about playing defense. I think he's got to show that he's, he can commit himself to the the way that Berube is going to ask all of his players to play. And it better be that more of that 200-foot game. So for me, it's Verona. Yeah, so to to piggyback on that just before Marshy gives us his guy and then I'll go last, um, I think Jacob Verona is an obvious choice for many reasons. One, to your point, yeah, he's got something to prove. He's a Stanley Cup champion with the Washington Capitals, and then the wheels fell off. And whether or not it was a shoulder injury that he had early in training camp, he got off on the wrong foot with the Red Wings, uh, to maybe not being as dedicated in practice. This is all things that you hear, by the mm-hmm. way, because we haven't seen him since he's come to St. Louis, haven't heard any of that stuff. And then the obvious one, he had the player's assistance program. For whatever, uh, we're not privy to that information, and not that I don't care, but there was something off there. He needed help, which yeah. is great. He went and got help. That's what the program's there for. But I think that adds to the he's got something to prove because of the fact that, well, you know, we worry about him or this or that. So I I think that that's a great choice, Jacob Verona. I do think that he has a ton of ability. 
And he's shown already in his short stint with the Blues that he's able to produce. Yeah. Can he play the 200-foot game? To be determined. You know, it's not always pretty out there right now when it comes to being on the right side of the puck or being in the right spot to pick off passes or good sticks and back-checking. But offensively, he has been one of the guys that's created a lot of the offense. I don't mean like goal scoring, but getting himself opportunities to score. So I think that's a good pick. Marshy, what do you got? Uh, mine is Jake Neighbors, only because he's been injured a few times throughout the year. And, you know, if you want to go to the last, what, like 15 games, Verona and Kapanen and Blay, like all those guys, they came in at a, a certain point in this back half stretch. Like Jake Neighbors wasn't in the lineup until pretty recently. He just got back in. Um, you know, not too long ago, but you know, for him, I want to see games like he he played against Detroit. In Detroit, he played 16 minutes and 21 seconds compared to you know some of these other times, which is like under 10 minutes and whatnot. I just want to see what he can bring to the table for this Blues team moving forward because he is a first round draft pick, a former first round draft pick, and uh, I think he does have a future with this team. I want to know where he fits in with this current roster. So I think that's the biggest question, right? It, what is Jake Neighbors ultimately? Is he a top six forward or is he a top nine forward? You know, right now I think that it's a perfect time for him to prove where he can slot himself, at least for competition purposes, come training camp next year. Um, but he has had some injuries, and not just this year with the Blues. He was injured last year, too, in his final year of junior. And, again, it's not that he's injury-prone. He's just had the misfortune of being injured a couple of times. And I think the fan base, as well as the coaching staff, want to know what Jake Neighbors is. Is he a second-line guy who can give you 20 to 25 goals? Is he a third-line guy to give you 15 to 20 goals? So there's a lot left there for Jake Neighbors. I think he's going to get every opportunity because, obviously, the Blues love this kid. Uh, he does play a 200-foot game. He does finish his hits. He does protect the puck well. He manages the puck well. He gets to the net front. So he, he already has the jump on a lot of the areas that the Blues like about their players. So now it's just staying healthy and being consistent. So who's your guy? Tory Krug. Tory Krug is my guy. And I know it's not an easy one to pick because he has a full no-trade clause. So if he doesn't prove himself, now, now what? There's always ways to make things work and make things happen. And the only reason I think he has the most to prove is, fair or not, he was the pivot from Alex Petrangelo. Mm -hmm. And... It's been up and down and all around. And, you know, he's brought in for his power play expertise. The power play has been average at best. And he's been injured a couple of times. And defensively, it hasn't been great. You know, we talk about all the time when, when the defenseman ends up with his back to the puck, trying to cover a guy, and that guy still scores, it's not good. When a defenseman doesn't have a guy all by himself in front of the net, not good. When a defenseman doesn't have a guy backdoor all by himself for a tap-in, not good. Now... You're willing to tolerate some of that if said player is able to quarterback a successful power play that's in the top 10 of the NHL. Mm -hmm. And I still think Tory Krug is a very valuable player. I think that he's worth every single penny if he can bring that power play ability, but at the same time provide some stability on the back end. He's not a big guy, which is fine. You don't have to be. He does. He competes his ass off. He does. He's a little guy that competes but he still has to be able to defend some of the best players in the NHL on a consistent basis. 
and he's got to play those big minutes. If he's going to be in your top four, he's got to play top four minutes, which means he's got to play 20 minutes or more on the ice every night, which means he's going to have to play defense. He's going to have to play penalty kill at times. And I just don't know right now because this year specifically, I'm like, I just don't know. So for me, if I'm Doug Armstrong and I'm looking at shaking up the decor because, you know, it wasn't good enough this year. Who do you look at? Your top four guys, at least payroll-wise. You look at your top four guys. You go, okay, Justin Falk, I'd like to keep him. I think he's a good leader. I think he plays solid defensively. He's, he'll play physically. He'll block shots. He'll kill penalties. Probably going to keep him. Um, Nick Letty, don't know how many people are lining up at the door to get Nick Letty after this year. He's playing really well right now. Love the way he's playing recently. But before that, at $4 million with three more years, I just don't know what the, um, the, the, the amount of teams are that would be like, hey, we want Nick Letty. Colton Pareko, I'm not getting rid of him. I'm not. Not that he's untouchable. Nobody on this team right now is untouchable. But Colton Pareko is a six foot six guy that can skate his way out of trouble. He's got a bomb for a shot. And what we've seen recently out of Colton Pareko, I think is exactly the kind of player that he is. He's been battling injuries for the last couple of years. He's had the back issues, had a couple other things. I think Colton Pareko is finally healthy. I think he's finally at the point where he doesn't care anymore, but in a good way. He's not worried about being traded. He's not worried about this, not worried about being the alpha dog. He's just going out there and he's playing, and he's playing very well. So for me, Colton Pareko and Justin Falk are guys that I'm automatically keeping. Uh, Nick Letty, I just don't know if there's a deal to be made out there at this particular moment. So then the asking... Price or the person that gets asked about probably right after is Tory Krug. And I bet you there's a number of teams that would take on a Tory Krug. Do they take him straight up at the salary? Do you have to eat some of the salary? What's the, you know, what what's the additional pieces that have to go with Tory Krug to change that decor? I don't know. So for me, that's the guy that has the most to prove from here to the end of the season. That's interesting. Three three different players. One guy with a contract, one young player with plenty to prove, with an opportunity potentially next year, and then another guy that you got off of waivers that has showed you some things from, you know, the standpoint of, ah, okay, yeah, we know why you, at one point you got a contract and you'd, you'd help the team win a Stanley Cup. Yet we also see some issues when it comes to, you know, why why you're now on your third team. So, again, three distinct distinctly different players when it comes to the Blues, who play tonight. They're hosting the Canucks pregame starting at 6 o'clock. So about a half hour or so, you'll hear from Alex Ferrario, Chris Gerber, and Joey Vitale on on 101 ESPN. And, of course, we're your home for the Blues and Blues Radio Network as the Blues host the Canucks about 7 o'clock tonight. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We have our biggest question of the day next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. Time for the biggest question of the day here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Marshall, what do we have? Yeah, it's not really a question. It's more of a request, and it's coming from... We don't do requests. Well, (laughs) we do for this uh, character... Oh Here he is. Well, I hope I hope people are happy with 
the the decision to to bring Jordan with us to to the big league club and you know it wasn't as as cut and dry as, as everybody thinks so you know we figured we give him a shot and you know we'll see what he can do now obviously our our chances to to get off to a hot start you know take a big blow and when you lose you know our 41 year old ace and Wayno. you know obviously we saw him dominate a absolutely loaded offense with with great britain so obviously not ideal so now guys are gonna have to step up you know but i do want to address uh, an issue i have with this show and uh, you know i heard anthony absolutely belittle a texter from yesterday and and some people are saying it, it was a b-fib and look you know the b-fibs think we do no wrong so you know if you're going to to yell at them you're yelling at me and i and i just don't appreciate that and i would like an apology from from anthony to what <laughs> to the b-fibs to what best fans in baseball and <laughs> <laughs> the b-fibs <laughs> so that was our guy john flozalock oh my god uh well, I mean, John, first and foremost, and I hope I can speak for Jamie and Marsh. No, Thank you, you really so much. Can't. If I could just speak for myself. <laughs> there you go. Better. John, uh, we appreciate you listening to the show. And of course, I'll apologize. Yeah, I mean, now I did attack somebody that has been very critical of you in the 618. Um, but no, man, I mean, I feel bad. So, I, you know, I'm sorry. John, I am. I'm sorry. That you feel that way. <laughs> I, uh... The B-fibs. I, uh, I, I couldn't even handle it when he said, uh, he dominated that star-stacked... Stacked. Stacked Great Britain, Great Britain team. team. So Adam Wainwright being out of the rotation early on could benefit the cards. Could benefit Mo what? or could benefit Wayno. Why do you not like Wayno? You've always had some kind of a beef with Wayno. I don't understand why. Why? Anthony? Saving the innings. Really? Yeah. He misses a whole month, Jamie. That's a lot of innings that you could then apply to September when you really need Wayno. Know what I mean? No. When Wayno was at his worst last year, when was it? Well, he was injured. He got the comeback, Anthony, off his knee. Otherwise, he probably would have pitched a no-hitter at one point. <laughs> when was it, though? It's the I end of the year. Late August. Yeah. It's the end of, end of the year. Yeah. Now well, I know he what got... about the end of the year before that? The year before. Yeah, but that was two years ago now. So? He's two years better. Jamie. You're saving those innings now that you're going to need Wayno in the second half. All right? So let Jake Woodford do that. Despite dominating an absolutely juggernaut of a Great Britain lineup. Great uniforms. In the WBC, he might, Wayno may, may have needed a little extra time to get ready for the season. Now he has it. Yeah, I, I want Wayno healthy. Certainly he's a lot better player when he's healthy and... I'm speaking from my own experience, as you get older, it's harder to get healthy. And so having a little extra time here at the beginning of the season where the Cardinals can carry the mail for him a little bit, get him 100% or as close as you can to 100%. And then Wino comes back and 
he will add a great amount of depth to your rotation. And hopefully Jake Woodford dominates. It'd be great. Then you have a real conversation. Like who comes out when Adam Wainwright comes back? Then you got a you got a healthy competition, guys. Yeah. So what if he does pitch really well and then Wayno does come back? Oh no! Don't do it. I'm asking the question because it could happen. So who, so who pitches poorly oh, I, in the first? I thought half. you were going to continue with that question. And say, when Wayno's not great. Okay. Well, let's. Well, okay. What if he's not? Who? Okay. So here's the here's the question. I said first half. I meant first month of the season. Mm-hmm. Highly unlikely. All five starters are pitching well in the first month of the season. Maybe it's Flaherty. Move him to the bullpen. Mm. When Wayno comes back, oh, he'll be don't thrilled with like that. that. I don't. I mean, who, do you care? I don't. If he's not pitching well, then you have to you have to create Why space do you somewhere. Why go there though? What if Mike heard Anthony absolutely belittle a texter? I know the feeling. Oh yeah, I know the feeling. Poor Jamie. Anthony's really t- mean. It's difficult to work with. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> What if it's Montgomery that isn't working for you? Why is it always going to be Flaherty? What if it's Steven Matz? Like, Matz got a contract. So? Ain't put him in the anywhere. bullpen last year. He had a contract. Yeah, it was different. How? It's end of the year. Well, you're going to need him this year at the end of the year. Okay, Jamie. So what do you do? What? what do you do? Adam what? Wainwright comes back yeah. at the end, at, at the at, at the beginning of May. He's ready to go. Okay. And Woodford is dominating. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What do you mean? What do I do? What do you do with Adam Wainwright? You put him right in the rotation. He hasn't even you, pitched yet. Who do you take out? Woodford. It's a no-brainer. If he's dominating, I don't care. You dominate from the bullpen. Go if, dominate the hell out of the bullpen, if buddy. The wood, if the Woodman is dominating, you're yeah. really gonna take. Woody out of this rotation. Put him in, take him out, whatever. Oh, come on. Wait, you leave him in. I'm not. Probably, but you know what? That can get risky sometimes. Be careful with that. But Wayno, coming back, you have to see what he's got, too. Adam Wainwright's a freaking future Cardinal Hall of Famer, and you're going to have to see what he's got. Jake Woodford will be just fine going to the bullpen. He's done it before, Anthony. And then if you have to elevate him back to the rotation, you can. Guess what? He's done it before, Anthony. Well, Jamie, the B-Fib is not going to love it if you replace Jake Woodford, who's dominating, and just take him out of the starting rotation. Oh, they're not going to be happy that Adam Wainwright's back? They will. But they're not going to sit there and be fine if somebody else is not pitching well, like a Jack Flaherty. But my issue with you is, Anthony, you just go to Jack Flaherty. Stop the insanity. You're like, you know, he's a lightning rod for praise or criticism here in St. Louis. And you just, how'd he look the other day, Jamie? What'd you say? How'd he look the other day? How did Flaherty look the other day? Uh, Not great. Who did look good? Just out of curiosity. The Astros. (laughs) (laughs) The Astros look really good. We're getting a couple texts, though. What about a six man rotation? Could do that. But then you're going to piss off some of the other guys. You Some could. of the guys like Michaelis and Montgomery and whatever, whoever's used to their regular five-man rotation. That's the thing. It throws them out of whack a little bit. Yeah, and if Michaelis is pitching like he was a year ago, you don't you don't you don't want to be skipping days. You want him on the bump every five days or so. We uh, got every a text from Thanks Dad, who always has something to say, whether we read them on the air or we don't. You uh, crack. By the way, you crack up, Marsh. 
hilarious. Uh, we'll be sitting here in a break, and Marsh is giggling, and we're like, "Is it the dad texter again?" And Marsh said, "Yeah, <laughs> it's him." Anyways, he just said uh, these things work themselves out, right? They do. There you go. Lisa chimed in. She says, "Quit with Flaherty Kool Aid. Stop. This isn't personal, Jamie. Look at his spring." I'm not Thank drinking you. the Flaherty Kool-Aid at all. Thank you, Lisa. I just don't like that it automatically defaults to Jack Flaherty. Why can't it default somewhere else? Lisa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's going to pitch poorly? Michaelis is a stud. And Steven Matz is coming off the injury. He'll be just fine. You don't fine. even want to have Adam Wainwright Jordan on Montgomery. this team. Jordan Montgomery is consistent. Is so who is it going to get? Of course, it's going to go to Flaherty. Why do we want? Why do we? Why do people want Flaherty to fail? Nobody wants any sense. Stop it! Any sense? Stop it with your straw man argument, Marsh. Nobody wants him to fail. Wow. Come on! I'm sure there's a few people like you, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, I just you? don't get that. I just don't get the automatic. Oh, whatever. Flaherty. Well, what? I don't want him to fail. I just really well. I'll be saying he hasn't that. pissed well since 2019. He hasn't. It's not true. He was well, 2021. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 2021 is good. Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, oh, but he yeah. can't stay healthy. I forgot. He about, hasn't been healthy. I forgot when he was good because it doesn't fit my narrative. Oh, I forgot when he was good because it was so long ago. <laughs> Anthony, stop hating on the man. Why did this turn into like Flaherty hour? It always does. That's why I said five don't, don't say his name. It's the five o'clock hour. The question was Adam Wainwright for you, Anthony, not yeah. good enough to be in the rotation. That was the I question. Good He's not healthy. But once he is healthy, you said I'm not putting him in the rotation. I said if if Woodford is dominating, what do you do? And then you got all hot and bothered because I had the audacity to bring up Flaherty. That guy and sucks. No, I didn't. I said that. Why'd not you about say Flaherty. That? About a Brewers pitcher. What I got irritated was the fact that you didn't even want to have Adam Wainwright in your rotation, and you were gassing Flaherty. Come on. It's did you or did you not? I didn't. Okay, and I did try, not. Let, let's try this again. Let's sure. go like lawyer stuff. Okay. Okay. It's a yes or a no answer, please. Sure. Uh, did you say you wouldn't have Adam Wainwright in your rotation if Jake Woodford was shoving? No, I did not say that. Your Honor. Perjury, right there. <laughs> I did not you say that. You literally said, I don't care. I'm not taking Woodford out. Right. Yeah. And I had Wainwright sliding into the rotation just in another spot. No, you didn't say it like that, And Anthony. you lost your mind. No, you didn't say it like that at all. I said, Adam Wayne, you're like, he's not healthy. He hasn't pitched. And Woodford's shoving. Yeah. If he's shoving, the Woodster's staying in my rotation. Okay. Anthony, we know the truth, man. Yeah, we know the truth on you, too, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just had a big allergy snot fly out. <laughs> My God. Jamie's going to take care of that. When we come back, what you missed, criticisms, compliments here in the Fast Lane. I wonder what he's been You know, I heard Anthony absolutely belittle a texter. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. (laughs) 
If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app, all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What you missed today, BT joined us for the first hour. We talked about Jordan Walker making the opening day roster, his thoughts on the bullpen and Nolan Gorman's swing changes and how they have presented uh, very well in spring training and now Nolan Gorman has a chance to be a full-time player, and BT, uh, BT thought that as well. BT also talked about whether or not the pitch clock will make pitchers come out of games sooner due to fatigue, and I thought he had a good answer about that. Now, you're probably going to see that in some cases. In other cases, you're going to see pitchers pitch deeper into games because batters also have to work with the same, same clock. Also talked about Lamar Jackson, that situation, which Blue has the, uh, the most approved down the stretch. And we played our first Magic 8-Ball game, which I thought was a lot of fun, Jamie. Always is. Mm-hmm. Time for some criticism, some compliments, courtesy of our guy Marsh. And you, the texter. All right, let's start off with, uh, we actually just got a pretty recent one from the 314. Uh, criticism, bring back the actual random questions in the gauntlet. Grant does a great job with the questions, but the random ones have been all sports related. I miss the what's the fastest lane? What's the fastest lane bird type of question? Hmm. There we go. Land right. bird. Land bird. Land bird. I guess it's not really a land bird. It does say flying, lane, right? Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Grant, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, you're not. Nobody else wants what? that job. What? Nobody else wants that job, what? Jamie. Nobody sent a message early. <laughs> Like, what the hell? Everybody's just, why? No, great. You're fired. You're done. Maybe not. We need him tonight for the Blues. That's a good point. Well, he's fired from this show. That's oh, it. okay. <laughs> You're not I don't fired have the great. power to fire him overall. <laughs> no. He's fired. No, he's not. For random questions. These... I'll take over. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the 636 gives a compliment to Michael, who left us a mic drop for the second day in a row. Good for that guy. I respect the follow-up. I do. I do, too. I respect that. Well, after you berated him on the I air, did not right? berate him. I berated the 618 hate. It's different. I did not berate Michael. In fact, I said, look, we're, all, we're open to constructive criticism, which is what Michael was trying to do yesterday. Unless it's you. Oh, come on, Jamie. Nobody dislikes me more than me. Come on. Oh, there's... there's, I think you're wrong on that one, I'm like third or fourth on the list of people who dislike me. Uh, We got a text from the 314 after we were done playing the Magic 8-Ball game. This game just shows how phony radio hosts are. You are able to have any take you want and do it seamlessly. Or how genius we are in the fact that we can have several different opinions. It doesn't have to always fit what you think it's going to fit. And our brains operate at such warp speed that on the fly, no matter what you present us, we can find the positive or the negative. So be very careful what you ask for, right? You want the positive, we can get. You want the negative, be careful too. We'll Mm -hmm. sharpen up the blades for that one. I think we're geniuses. Thank you, Jamie. I agree. You know, I don't throw this word around much, and uh, Anthony did yesterday, but also doesn't throw this word around much. But, Jamie, I think you're brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. How you just broke that down. Thank you. Uh, it's pretty incredible. We did get a compliment from the 636 who uh, I'm not going to name the city that this person was listening to Sports Talk Radio, but they said that 
we're better than them essentially and um to make a long story short several people from this area asked the texter what app he was listening to he said the 101 mobile app and uh, now we have new listeners in that area all right thank you i love it what is the area uh it's in the southern region okay uh missouri nope illinois different state why we're not allowed to say it i don't know i just figured it'd be mean if we did why i mean you want me to say it i'll say it just give us uh just give us a hint uh it's they're a team in the XFL and hmm. San Antonio, Texas. From the 314, hilarious. Listening to Jamie talk to Andrew, me, like his kid when he does something a little slow. Uh, I asked for the third question in the gauntlet about three times. Andrew <laughs> reminds me of my one son, Ashton. Old Big Hoss. That's Hoss, right? Yeah, he reminds me of Big Hoss sometimes. So I have a lot of love for Andrew. I want to help him. I want to hold his hand through life. Andrew, I'm going to personally offer to mentor you for okay. the rest of oh, your wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he doesn't need to be mentored. What? He just yeah. listens to us what and all the wrong? mistakes just, that we have made in life. He just goes, you. I'm not going to do that. I sit down every day next to you and... I hear everything. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, lucky guy. Fred Marsh, and Jamie Rivers, and Anthony Stalt to Blues pregame next. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.